Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode, episode number 101. Whoa, that's I'm, the real milestone, right, guys? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, they, they get to 100, they tap out. Yep. Oh, I can think of countless examples. Yep, uh, me too. Yep, and, and, I'll, and I'll save them for another day. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're sticking with it, everybody. 101 episodes in, you're listening to Serious Issues. This is a weekly comic book podcast. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. And like always, we are recording live at King's Comics in Sydney, uh, 310 Pitt Street, mm-hmm. uh, or kingscomics.com if you want to check out any of the books that we're going to talk about in today's episode. All the books are available there for you to purchase, even the really, or especially the really obscure ones. Absolutely. Because if you've ever been here, you'll see how big the stands are. Yeah. They, it's not just, a, you know, your big twos, it's your... It's your, your small threes and fours. Yeah, yeah, your medium-sized sevens. <laughs> also, guys, if you go to the King's Comics website right now... We are uploading a whole bunch of warehouse stock at the moment. So there is like, if there's old back issues that you're looking for, check us, check us out. Just go to kingscomics.com slash medium size sevens. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not a real website. Your computer will explode. Um, on the episode that we're about to record, we are recording Good. right now. Um, we're going to be talking about 50. Uh, it was a big week. It was a really big week. It was definitely a, a final count of between 40 and 50 comics, mm. which is... Uh, also known as Too Many Comics yeah. for uh, two of us to read in one weekend. But we did it, and we're heroes for that. I agree. Um, and heroes, uh, what you'll see featured in many of the comics <laughs> that you'll find, uh, including many of those we're about to talk about in our first segment, uh, First Things First, where we review all of last week's number ones. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know it's a big week when, like, you, there's more, there's, like, I feel like more than ten number ones, you're like, yeah. oh, oh, boy. Oh, God. So many um, new series I have to develop an attachment to or decide um, I don't like immediately. And I feel like, like like DC, for example, if you include their Vertigo number one, had three number ones, this four number mm. ones this week. Um, and I feel like normally that would, that would mean that we would start with them. But you know what? It's time to set an example. That's too many number ones, DC. Who are you? Marvel six months ago? Yeah. We're no. punishing you. Uh, instead, we're going to go to Marvel, who, who, <laughs> who only put out three number ones this week. But uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I enjoyed all three of these books. Oh, my goodness. Um, so we're going to start off with uh, the big kind of number one for their... What, what, what counts for their big event, even though Marvel said, um, or Scarlet Witch told everyone, no more events. Um, 
uh, we are getting these kind of like not quite line wide events, but they are events that um, you know come in in different segmented parts and don't really have that many crossovers. But a lot of the characters from different parts of the mm. MCU of the Marvel universe that wouldn't normally uh, be in a comic together are coming together for this one. Uh, it is uh, by in, it's called Infinity Countdown Prime Number One, um, and is uh, written by Jerry Duggan. Um, who is writing the uh, the entirety of this event, which is cool, um, with art on this one by Mike Diodato Jr. and colors by Frank Martin. Um, and this is basically a um, a little catch-up. What what are the Infinity Stones and who has them right now? Um, I have a question okay, that was go. brought up by Scott Sheens of King's Comics. Mm-hmm. The most beloved King's Comics staff member. Yeah, like 100% easily. We all love him. End of story. Okay. <laughs> um, he's a delight. Why are they Infinity Stones now? They used to be gems. Why are they... What's the opposite well, of the, the dazzling? The, the gems got destroyed right? at some point in continuity, and I guess all gems begin as stones. So bring back, bring back the glitz. Well, I mean, yeah, to sure. The Marvel universe, make the, it shinier. Know, you've met the grandmaster. You've met the coll- uh, collector. Have you met the jeweler? <laughs> He's in charge yes! of turning the stones into gems. Also, um, Scott Rao, the other Scott. Um, and okay, Kings okay, just said they're called third, stones in the movies. Third most beloved staff <laughs> staff member. Of but the only other staff member who watches RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> second most popular Scott. Second, second most popular Scott. Scott. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is um, this uh, you know this kind of really fun one shot that um, sets really up the fun? event. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> um, we, we catch up with uh, Wolverine, who we you know we saw come back in the uh, Marvel Legacy number one. Um, a lot of people are angry that Guardians of the Galaxy is, has ended or is on hiatus, mm. but this is what Jerry Duggan is writing instead. So we see a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy's plot continued in this uh, in this number one. Mm. Um, we see Loki show up. We see a lot of um, Ultron and um, and uh, what's his name, Hank Pym, Hank Pym. The combination. I think that's up. a bad thing. I reckon that let this, Hank Pym just rest. I reckon that th- this event will, will will put an end to Ultron Pym, mm. Pymtron. Um, and then we also get the um, that super scroll. What's his name? Like Kulrut or something? Yeah, Kulrut, Clart, Magus, Magus, Magus. Is, is that like, who is the evil version of Adam Warlock? Um, so there's a lot of fun cosmic stuff. But then also we learn that like um, I think is, is it the mind gem, the mind stone is is being held by um, what's his name, the the bad guy in uh, in Daredevil who who just is always around. What's his name again? Um, Turk. Oh. Turk. oh, is that who it <laughs> yeah, is? Yeah. Okay, cool. he, and he's just using it to like to win, win, win at gambling. <laughs> Look, <laughs> which, so there is great usage. But Wolverine's just using which one is he got the whatever stone? Oh, the space stone. He's just using it to teleport around. Yeah, and he and he calls it bamfing, which is cute. Is it cute? I don't know. Or is it terrible? He says, I have a problem with boy, Wolverine's outfit. Fun. Yeah, the, Boy Bamfin is fun. That's, that's another thing that Wolverine would ever fucking say. He loves Kurt. He should be wearing cowboy boots. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, what is he wearing? Like stilettos Not- or something? <laughs> Crocs. He actually, th- these could be Crocs. They could be Crocs. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, no, I wish Wolverine was right. Uh, Diodato, definitely another, um, you know, beloved older cartoonist who is not that good at drawing feet. Yeah. <laughs> or shoes. Yeah. Um, but I thought this, like, you know... When was the last time you read the, a number one of an event comic that, like, you know, went all over the, the kind of the, the Marvel world mm. or DC world or whatever and, like, just kind of gave you these fun little tidbits and maintain a cracking pace throughout? I think this yeah. is this was just, you know, like, it's not like a 
oh my god, what an amazing comic! Everyone should read it. But if you love no. Marvel stuff and you yeah, and you do like like the part of us, we have favorite events. Yeah, you know, uh, we always read the events, even the ones we hate. Yeah, <laughs> I, I read a Venom event. Love to hate. <laughs> um, but I thought this there was a lot to love in this. Um, yeah, in it this was book. it was pretty. It was it was medium good fun. That's what I'll say. Medium sevens. Medium sevens. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else. I, I'm invested enough. Very. I mean, I was always going to read this. I really like Duggan. Things. Is the thing going to show up at some point? I think that's too big. I, I reckon that's Clorot. Oh, yeah, The Super right. Scrolls, big, big old hand. You know, one of their hands is always real big. Yeah. Because they're a shapeshifter. Mm, I understand. How do you say, let us know how you say his name, because I know people love correcting me on, like, things that I should know. Yeah, if like, you're a words scroll, that actually exist. Yeah, scroll scrolls only, the though. Correct, the correct pronunciation. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, look, I think this could be a fun event. Jerry yeah. Duggan is pretty, pretty good fun. Yeah, definitely. Good fun man. Um, so I, I think where does this spiral out? We get um, a whole bunch of books coming up soon. Uh, I think it was in another issue. It was in the, at the end of that Adam Warlock special. And, and why would they print that? Oh, no, here we go. Here, here it is. So oh next God. we get... Uh, we get Infinity Countdown. One, two, three, and then it's a Captain Marvel tie-in, a Daredevil tie-in, which I guess we'll deal with. Um, Turk, there's Darkhawk. We get a Darkhawk series. That's fun. Black Widow. Okay. What's going on with her? Which one is Darkhawk again? Darkhawk is the cosmic dude that got like a one-shot... Uh, he was yeah, in yeah, Avengers yeah. Arena for a yeah, bit, bit, too. Um, okay, this, this could be really fun, I think. Yeah. Has the potential to be very fun. Has the potential. There's always the potential. Um, so, uh, c- c- count me on board. Um, and I'm also going on record as saying that I thought Marvel had a very strong week in general this week. Yeah, you said that. I... We'll confirm it I at the end. I don't know. We'll, we'll confirm it at the end. Uh, so up next in the number ones from Marvel uh, is Doctor Strange Damnation, number one, uh, by Nick Spencer, Donny Cates, and Rod Reyes. Um, Nick Spencer's first thing that he's done at Marvel since the end of Secret Empire. Mm. And wouldn't you know it, this uh, is almost like a direct sequel to Secret Empire. Yeah. And I, there were moments where I was like, oh, I don't know if I want this. I don't know if I need this. Like, uh, basically, it's uh, Doctor Strange... Um, brings back Las Vegas after it was destroyed in Secret Empire, which is something I completely forgot happened. Same. Um, As but, did the rest of the Marvel Universe. But then uh, in, in doing that, because um, all magic has a price, um, none other than, um, what do they call him in, in Marvel MCU? He's not the, de- he's not the devil. Mephisto. Mephisto. Uh, Mephisto has his own... He, basically, all of Las Vegas went to hell and... Um, and and Mephisto thought that was pretty great, mm-hmm. and now that uh, Doctor Strange has ripped it back to Earth, um, he's really upset. <laughs> Which I thought was this is that's very fun, yeah, like fun comic bullshit. Um, and uh, so he's now trapped um, Doctor Strange in this casino where he has to fight uh, like hell versions of uh, like th- all of the Avengers basically, um, and um, it's up to. Um, Wong to assemble uh, what were they called? The Circle of the Midnight Suns, the new mm. Midnight Suns, and um, so that means we're going to get Man Thing and um, and Ghost Rider and Iron Fist and, and Blades back, Moon Knight, that girl who was in that Warren Ellis series that was yep. really good, uh-huh. Elsa Blood Stone. Stone. Oh, we did it! Nice. Well done, good of us. And uh, um, oh fuck, what's his name? Doctor Voodoo. Yeah. Did it. We did it, everyone. Um, so this is this is just like fun. Like again, like a not a particularly groundbreaking you know thing we've never read before, but mm-hmm. a really really fun uh, book for Nick Spencer to return to. 
um, and writing it alongside uh, um, Doctor Strange, uh, current writer, um, uh, Donny Cates. Cates. That was fun. And Rod Reyes is always great. It's always great yeah, to see Rod him. Yeah, Rod Reyes art. is really great. Um, and he did he did my favorite art in the Secret Empire event. So again, there's, there's ties to that again too. But it is frustrating how Doctor Strange just never learns. <laughs> like there was that whole like arc about him learning the price of his magic and then he's like, you know what, I'm just going to resurrect this whole city. I think that's going to be fine. I think that's going to be fine and it's really going to work out. Yeah, I think I think that was, you know, a, a brilliant direction to take um, Doctor Strange in, mm. J- in Jason's Ar- Jason Aaron's arc. It's been completely undone now Yeah, um, in within five issues of Donny Cates' run, but I feel like they kind of had to do that. Yeah. It's like you can't just have Doctor Strange being desperately scrounging for the few last artifacts of magic in the world and everyone Forever. being like, oh, it's fine because I found this old witch's eyeball so I can do one spell. Yeah. Like, So I think, yeah, returning to the status quo of superheroes never learning. Is uh, just a thing that has to happen. Like we never learn in buying these comics repeatedly, so why should learn. they? Because I forget everything the second that I've read it. Um, final Marvel number one was the Black Panther annual number one. It's the first ever Black Panther annual. It definitely isn't, um, <laughs> but it is from this volume, um, and this sees uh, three Black Panther writers from the past return to tell new stories um, in this uh, annual. Um, mm-hmm. So we see Christopher Priest, uh, Don McGregor, and Reginald Hudlin. I've read uh, many stories by Priest on Black Panther, a bit of Hudlin's run, and I don't even know who Don McGregor is. So, nope. Sorry, yeah. old people. Um, sorry, I will try and learn. Um, and then alongside um, Priest, alongside those writers, we get art from Mike Perkins, Daniel Acuna, and Ken Lashley. Um, so an, an all-star um, mm. uh, art lineup with uh, colors mm. by uh, Matt Miller and Andy Troy. Um, this is a, a really beautiful lookout book with Absolutely. some really cool different art that I guess we don't always see on Marvel books. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what I loved about this, even though I've not, I'm not, I haven't read all of any of those writers runs is that they were all callbacks to their runs. Absolutely. It wasn't just them trying to fit in to what Ta-Nehisi Coates is doing on Black Panther mm-hmm. or, you know, trying to do something akin to akin. Sorry. That's another word I pronounced wrong. There you go. English fans. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to be, be a better, be a better person and, and pronounce things the right way. Akin to um, what we're seeing in, uh, in the movie that uh, I've seen and, mm-hmm. and I've seen twice. Oh, God, I still haven't seen it. That's 200% more times than Siobhan has seen it. Does that work? Have you seen it? Nothing. Actually, yeah. I feel like I could say any number and it's more percent. Right yeah. But also um, this is actually one I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> For once, once I actually want to see a movie. Um, yeah, but I thought it was really great for them just to kind of like, it was almost like a reminder, like, hey, Black Panther's always been fucking sick. Yeah. Go back and read these incredible runs that, like, I know Reginald Hudland and, and Christopher Priest are both writers of color. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing maybe Don McGregor is too. Um, I know Ken Lashley is a... Yeah, like an artist. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I really, really enjoyed these very, very, these three very different stories. Yeah, different, absolutely. Different from each other and also different from um, the current run. I really enjoyed the final story, which was the one written by Reggie Hudland, um, which is about like a, a potential future in which Wakanda is like the ruling power in the world and yeah. they're living under like sort of unprecedented peace. It was cool. And, and then basically, like Black Panther has a trophy room and there's yeah. some very familiar heads in the yeah. trophy room. A lot of, lot of big blown up heads. <laughs> um, I really love my favorite art. I mean, it was great to see Andy Troy's art on the pre-story, which is this very frenetic. Mm-hmm. Um, heavily inked. Heavily inked uh, style. And then um, Ken Lashley's art is always great to see. And we've been seeing him pop up more and more. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've, we've said his name quite a lot recently. I love his name more. Um, yeah. And he draws great old people too. Uh, but 
Daniel Acuna, who was someone I always love. Absolutely. The first he does the um, the art on the um, Don McGregor story, and again, like I'm not familiar with Don McGregor's writing at all. But I found Acuna's art to be like very different to what he normally does. Mm. Remind- I didn't realize it was him until like the the fourth or fifth page. Yeah, exactly. But those first few pages where you have um, Black Panther getting the heart shape shaped herb and mm-hmm. uh, and and like escaping down the mountain and then we see like panther's heart the name of the story uh, etched into the snow of the mountain like it was a spirit comic mm-hmm. um i just thought it was great i've never seen him do that that kind of um you know uh, break it breakout panel stuff in yeah. his art and he has very clean art style and it was it was it was messy in a good way absolutely in this uh, in this short story so yeah i highly recommend this this annual it was a really good one um and uh, so so far so good on my marvel had a good week um, yeah, all right. A- 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 all acclamation. Right. Acclamation. Let's go over to DC because I also said DC did not have as good a week. I had some comics that I enjoyed from DC. This is one that I was really looking forward to. This is uh, The Brave and the Bold Batman and Wonder Woman, number one, written and drawn by Liam Sharp, who we mm-hmm. last saw um, as one of the artists on Greg Rucker's Wonder Woman um, uh, run and colors by, um, what's his name? Uh, Romulo, Fiato. Romulo Fiato Jr. Um, and uh, this is yeah, Chapter 1, Summonings. It's a six-issue miniseries um, that Liam is writing and drawing all of. Um, and I want to start by congratulating him on, an, on a very beautiful-looking book. Um, he draws great superhero Gorgeous. stuff. <coughs> and there, there is a fantastic element to this story. And I don't think I, this was a bad story by any means, but there are a few things that show up in comics that I immediately just go, nope, I'm out. I do not want to read about this. And at the top of that list is Irish folklore fairies. You racist. How very hey, dare you. This I'm, is my culture. Uh, it's mine too. I'm mostly Irish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the like it, it, fairies have ruined so many good Hellblazer stories and arcs. Or just, or just, I can imagine. And I just, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I just, I've never read them in a compelling Fun way, I guess. I, I guess if I read a story featuring them in their own right, we're talking about fairies. F a e r i e s. The fae people. Um, I was a little like, um, I did enjoy this sure. because I think Liam Sharp does a great job of the sort of Celtic um, aesthetic elements. Yeah, look, I'm a lot of a lot of knots, a lot of crosses, and things like that incorporated into it, and it, I was sort of. I kind of wish he'd gone, like, harder on the Irish folklore element because, like, I may be 100% wrong. I have not read every single Irish folktale of all time. <laughs> but, like, the, the place that they're talking about, Tiana Nogue, I believe it's pronounced, is from Irish folklore. And so I was kind of like, oh, are all of these, like, Irish folk heroes going to show up? Like, are we going to see Finn McCool and all these fucking cool um, Irish folklore heroes but then i didn't recognize this guy with the big tusks or anything like that right so so yeah this uh this uh, this sure. this guy um from irish folklore this enormous tusked kind of beast shows up and um and he is related to wonder woman's familiars mm-hmm. and so she immediately takes him seriously and and even though he interrupts a, a, a bang session with steve Trevor. <laughs> And he's like, no, please, go ahead. I am the god of love. Yeah, yeah. We've got a fertility. Um, I, I will give you my blessing so you can continue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very horny comic, actually. Um, also, uh, meanwhile, Bat- uh, Gotham has an Irish quarter, apparently. Yep, which of course is it does. very convenient. Um, uh, but, yeah, I just, uh, I just I didn't connect with the story in any way. Because, um, yeah, Bruce Wayne gets trapped. Well, Batman, sorry, gets trapped in a... 
his own mind linked to the the fairy realm. I'm just like I'm on board. Yeah, I don't know. Look, like, like I said, like I'm allowed. I'm allowed to make fun of it. I'm Irish, and I've been on tour with Bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> but, ah, dear. Yeah. Look, I, I'm at the very least going to thumb through the next few issues because I loved um, Liam the, Sharp is so great, especially on the Irish folklore stuff. Like he draws the hell out of it. I just Absolutely. have no interest in reading what those fucking fairies say. Just look at the pictures and ignore. The actual story. Um, there was some there, another number one we we're about to talk about had some incredible Irish stuff in it later. Um, not very positive Irish stuff, but it was a <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. It was a great, great book. We'll Absolutely. talk about that one later. Uh, but also for, from DC, we got uh, part four of Milk Wars, which is uh, through their uh, young animal imprint, which sees a young animal uh, hero go up uh, get, get matched with a DC hero, and this one was uh, Swamp Thing and Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Special number one. Um, this son had a uh, regular writer, John Rivera, who normally co-writes the uh, Cave Carson series alongside um, the founder of Young Animal, Gerard Way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we both really enjoyed um, Cave Carson as a cybernetic eye, even though there were so many moments we were like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. This was the easiest to follow Cave Carson Absolutely. story we've ever gotten. So it, now it's making me go, the worst thing about about Young Animal is Gerard mm. Way. Like, don't let him write... <laughs> Like, like, I think he has yeah. an eye, a great eye for creators and stuff like that. But like, his desire to make things as like you know strange and yeah. like Grant Morrison light as possible, it just it's just it irritating. Serve as the story, yeah, unfortunately. Um, one downside to this special was that we didn't get um, Michael Avon Oeming, Oeming um, mm-hmm. on art. Uh, well, instead, we get Langdon Foss, who does a great job, absolutely, and do- does one of the weirdest takes on Swamp Thing I've ever seen, but mm. I loved it. Um, and great colors by um, series regular Nick Filardi. Um, this was basically, yeah. So m- this we've tried to explain it. It's a bonkers concept. Basically, there is milk that has infected the young animal world, and uh, every one of these specials sees the young animal heroes alongside DC heroes trapped in this weird world. Um, that the milk has 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 caused mind control milk, everyone. And so this sees K- Cave Carson and his daughter in a um like a you know office space esque kind of nine to five mm-hmm. cubicle world realm, um which as everyone knows is the worst uh thing anyone can be in. Um, it is. It's a little bit of cubicle in here. You've oh you had a cubicle job, I did huh? Did have a cubicle job. What cool posters did you have? Did you have like a cat that said hang in there? <laughs> I actually had a Kate Beaton. Um, uh, poster, poster from. Oh, you just said, you had a Kate Beaton. I had a Kate Beaton <laughs> just sitting on my desk. during your comics. That sounds great. I wish. Um, I did enjoy this. I'm. I am a sucker for like a critique of that sort of life. Yeah, and, and it, this was like. It wasn't as heavy-handed as you would expect. It was quite witty and funny, yeah, and and, and a bit silly. And they also took shot at um, <laughs> at uh, Funko Pops. I know. <laughs> that was my favorite bit of it. I liked it when they cracked it open. They were like, "Oh no, there's meat in it." <laughs> yeah, they eat these weird Funko Pop esque toys. But uh, and I like I can't tell whether it's like a uh, like whether they like snuck a message about like brands and big like corporatization and stuff like that, or whether it's like DC allowing it and that makes me roll my eyes. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean the whole thing is about retcon. The idea of a retcon is is a brand. So the the, yeah. the, 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 the big enemy in all the young animal books at the moment is retcon. R e t c o double n. Mm-hmm. Um, who is this brand that is essentially retconning everything, um, mm. with this mind control milk? 
It's really fun. It's it it's fun. it's silly while you know having this message that you can ignore if you're like, oh, I don't need a message in my comics. But yeah, it's um it's really fun, and I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, so Swamp Thing uh, helps Cave Carson and all the characters from Cave Carson escape this uh, this realm. By and hiding in Cave Carson's stomach and then being thrown up in like this amazing, disgusting ball of vines that then turn into Cave Carson and his daughter and uh, is it Wild Dog or Mad Dog? I can never remember. Um, Mad Dog. I also yeah, love well, that well, in this yeah, universe, well, Rita Farr is um, <laughs> Jesus. Yes. <laughs> As Rita Farr, there's been references to Rita Farr in all of these one shots, right? Yeah. Yeah, so much fun. Wild so Dog. So much fun. This Wild was dog. a great, great issue. Yeah. This and the... Um, this Mother the Mother Panic, Panic issue? And, and, and the um, Shade the Changing Good yeah. Girl. They've all been great. Absolutely. I think the problem is Gerard Way. Just take a step back, Gerard, if I may take, call Take a step that. way back. Way, way back. Uh, so that was... I'm going to assume that this is the last uh, DC number one you read because the next one, one I'm going to talk about is a, uh, a video game adaptation. You know what? I even looked at it and then I went, wait, this is based on a video game? And someone... Said yes, and I was like, "Cool." It also says that on the cover. I don't have to read. Based on the blockbuster video game, so you didn't even have to talk to people, which is your least favorite thing in the world to do. Uh, So this is Batman: Sins of the Father, number one, which is based on the blockbuster video game Batman: The Telltale series. Um, One of the most boring genres of video game ever is this kind of like extremely handheldy, slight choose your own adventure vibe. Like I'm sure I know there, I know it has its fans, but I just I can't get into these games. they're very slow. Yeah, I even got the Fables one when it came out because I was like, oh, "People yeah, love I that like one." Fables, but um, I was bad at it, and I also found it boring. I think if it was told in a more classic um, text-based style, yeah. a video game would be. I just don't. I very rarely connect with video game voice acting, mm. um, and uh, I just want to punch things yeah. or jump over stuff. Absolutely. Um, but, I can walk around slowly and talk to people in my own life. So this is written by Christos Gage with art by Raphael Iencho and colors by Guy Major. Great art, like very different art to what you would normally see on a, um, yeah, on wow. a Batman book, very European. Um, it reminds me of the artist that, was, that did the Shadow and Batman book that yep. came out. Uh, not the Riley Rossmo one, the other one that came out through Dynamite recently. Um, but uh, yeah, so you would hate this so much. So in this, in this version of Batman, Thomas Wayne has been revealed to have... Um, injected random people with um, toxins that make them go mad and that's how Arkham Asylum gets started. He's basically sending innocent people to Arkham Asylum. And so that gets revealed and um, what? and so it's up to Bruce to, you have to redeem, because the whole thing about Telltale games is that you've got to, like, you know, you have to make decisions in the game that's going to affect mm. the end game. So I think a bulk of it is like you're, you're Bruce Wayne for half of it and then you're solving crimes as Batman for the other half. Right. So, as, so Bruce Wayne basically has to um, uh clear brute like prove that it's worth having Wayne Enterprises around even though he's the founder of it and was a psychopath it's a slightly disappointing thing yeah I guess it's clever as a game mechanism I don't really want to read about it in a comic no um, and uh, the end of this book has him kind of like uh, assemble all of the Wayne Enterprises employees to try and find out more about what happened and how it happened and just as he's about to get some answers everyone gets shot by Deadshot and there's going to be a... He's trying to track down Deadshot. Oh, no. Yeah, I won't be continuing with this. But it wasn't bad. I think Christos Gage... Like, you know, this is a difficult thing to, 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 to do well. And I think, he, I think he did a fine job. I mm. just you know, I don't really care about what else happens in it. Fair enough. Uh, so, last DC book is actually a Vertigo book. And it is uh, a new series uh, called Deathbed. Written by Joshua Williamson with art by Riley Rossmo. And colours by Ivan Placencia. So, a very cool um, 
mm. uh, creative team that I don't mm-hmm. think have done much work together before. Um, and this is about a young writer who is given the job to write memoirs of uh, this kind of has-been famous... I can't remember what he's famous for. Well, he's, he's an adventurer, adventurer but yeah. the thing is he's not famous. So he's done all these huge things that everyone should have heard of, but she's never heard of him and she has to sort of go along and pretend that she's heard of this guy that she's going to ghostwrite right. the memoirs of. So I'm just going to ring a special bell and it's the Dongwatch bell. Oh, <laughs> Dongwatch. Dongwatch. So this is an old man who's in his deathbed. Yep. And then he, you know, he's, he's shirtless in his deathbed, this big hulking grey bearded man. And um, when he tells everyone to leave the room, um, psych everyone, he's not dead. Also, he's not wearing clothes. <laughs> but he is wearing a utility belt. Um, and so, yeah, his utility belt um, has many knives and guns hanging from it. And just below those that those hanging things is his own hanging thing, a dong. Ah. And so the, the second half of this book is just his big old, old dick just flapping about. It's an important point that um, when he throws the covers off, it's because the room is full of, um, like, mummies, like mummy assassins. And so he shouts, I hope you brought your dancing shoes, motherfuckers, and jumps up fully nude and kills all of the uh, mummy assassins. Pretty good moment. Yeah, pretty great, especially because, the gra- really, the gravity of the situation, and I don't mean the dramatic, I mean the... Uh, the literal when, gravity. When he jumps and his little... little his little, little dong. Little dong goes, whoop! <laughs> It is really genuinely hilarious, and I was not expecting it even a tiny bit, and it was good fun. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Me too. I liked this issue. Yeah, so um, this is now basically we're going to learn the truth about this crazy adventurer with this uh, semi-reluctant writer. Um, Riley Rosmo's art is like very frenetic and, mm-hmm. and, um, and very well suited to this kind of funny but often gruesome mm-hmm. adventure story. And he draws, um, a, draws a great dog. He does a, draws a, I mean, is it great? He draws a great gross dong. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> it suits the like. Like we've we've the seen some man. we've seen some beautiful dongs. We have uh, in our time. Chris Anker. Chris Anker does a great dong. Look at this, like like this guy's. I don't think this is maybe the first uncircumcised dong we've had featured in Dong Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I love this segment. <laughs> I just banged my head so hard because I was laughing. On what? On the back of my chair. <laughs> um, good. Yeah, yep. I think I'm. I think I'm uncircumcised. Hard to tell. See when he's no, like, like you're looking at it, you know. He's it, excited. You, <laughs> you need to go this one when he's talking to her. Here. Oh yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. It's also, it's also covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. We just sold so many people. On the Comics book. are so much better than everything else. <laughs> so yeah, that's Deathbed at number one um, through Vertigo, the imprint that won't die. Yeah. <laughs> it's really strange. What's going on with Vertigo? No. Every now and again, they just release a completely bizarre book and you're like all right yeah cool i guess yeah totally more of this please um so uh some people refer to this next imprint we're about to talk about sorry the next uh publisher we talk about as the new vertigo Mm. they're better known as image comics and this week we got multiple warheads um a uh it's called ghost throne number one a one shot written and drawn by brandon graham uh previous Guest on a bonus episode of Serious Issues, yep. um, Siobhan got a quick interview with him when he was here for the Graphic Festival a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Go back in our feed and go find it because it's a fun, fun little talk with uh, one of the one, one, one very cool genius in, yeah. the, in the comic book world. Listen to how nervous I am. <laughs> uh, we've come so far since then. Mm-hmm. No, you never get nervous. <laughs> um, so uh, this is yeah. A, 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 well, this was uh, this collected all of the um, 
mini strips that he did in Ireland. I thought this, I thought this is a, a final chapter to oh. the comic book that he started in, in Ireland, the story that he started in Ireland. Oh, well, Ireland. Totally. Ireland, not Ireland. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so this is, uh, like, it's purposely hard to follow and, and, and weird. There are moments where you're like, oh, yeah, cool, I, I understand what's going on here. And then you're just like, I've got no idea what's going yeah. on here. Um, don't read this when you're tired because you'll nope. blame all of that on your tiredness. And then you reread it in the morning. You're like, I wasn't even that tired. <laughs> this is just a crazy book full of like so many bizarre ideas. And it's very influenced by like some of the more out there European comics. Mobius, especially. Yeah. He's a big, um, big fan of. But it's unmistakably his own style. It's his own interpretations of his influences. Absolutely. Um, um, and he just, he packs so much content into each panel. Like there's so many puns and jokes and stuff there's so much stuff going on very very cool use of language in uh in, in his uh word balloons and mm-hmm. elsewhere in each panel really really just just chock full of just crazy ideas every every page has more great ideas than most comics do yeah absolutely um but uh you know i think if you go in expecting to kind of find a beginning a middle and an end point to this story you'll be disappointed because mm. he doesn't really care about that stuff yeah, no, and then there, there certainly is one but just you know figuring out what it all means and what the, like you know what what's this book about, Shimon? Um, they're like on a mission, Who delivering are? something. Sexica and the two guys. <laughs> <laughs> and Sexica is a as a human, yeah. And then the two guys, one of them is like this big lizard man, and then and one the of them one's... has like a mole head. Yeah, he's a mole. Um, uh, like I love I love multiple warheads. I love everything that Brandon Graham has done. Um, but it would be kind of cool to see him. I would kind of almost like to see him work with another writer like do something maybe a little bit more as a co-writer yeah i still want to see restrained. his infam- his imagination in here but yeah, yeah. we'd love to see a, a story that you can you know really follow and connect to absolutely um there's yeah i mean i, I still love this but yeah. yeah it's still the best but um you know a little bit of, a little bit of narrative this is his <laughs> this is his most outward out there thing that he does though yeah, like sure. i don't think he cares if anyone gets like this is like some issues of multiple warheads are just like straight up porno comics yeah um, and there are very few characters in that, that, that are in repeat issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, have we even seen these ones before? Has Sexica been in it before? I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, she yeah. has. Okay. She's like the main she, character. She's the one that has sex with the girl who has the wolf penis um, attached yeah, but that's to her. That's a dude. That's a dude. Oh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> that's her boyfriend. Um, Fun stuff. It's great. I think, like, he's obviously. Dong Watch from the past. Yeah. Wolf so, Dong Watch. He's obviously very capable. Like, um, if you've read. Did you ever read Prophet? Yes. Yeah. Like, he's capable of. Yeah, he he wrote that narrative structure. I, I love, that's my favorite stuff that he's written. Yeah, but I, I, I just wish he did the art on it too because his art is my favorite thing that he does for sure. Um, so yeah, check out Multiple Warheads. It's probably a bad entry point um, as, from a narrative point of view, but from an art point of view, like you know, this is him top of his game. Absolutely brilliant. A brilliant to look at book from, yeah. from cover to cover. I think it's maybe the most gorgeous that his art's ever looked. I don't know if he does the colors, but whatever, it's great. What's the um the big collected edition? Not multiple warheads. So I needed before King City. I highly yeah. recommend that to everybody. Very, very it's a much. great great introduction to Brandon Graham. Absolutely. Um, and he's someone that I, I like. I know he he's like burnt. He he loves to burn a bridge with loves uh, a good with, with publishers. I I would love superhero variant covers by Brandon Graham mm, or yeah. like little one shots and annuals and stuff like that. But we'll never get that. Never. What a bummer. Um, also through Image this week. You didn't even read it? Did. You did? Oh my God, I you read it. read it. Hilarious. Um, last week we read the new Kick-Ass number one, and this week 
I didn't even know this is coming. Uh, we got Mark Miller returning to Hit Girl, the other the other ma- the main character for other main character from Kickass. Hit Girl issue number one with art by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. It's funny because she's a little girl, but she swears and kills people. Yep, and uh, that's exactly what we get in this issue, which also has colors by Sunny Go. Um, this took a very different tone to um, the quite you know serious yeah. as serious as Miller gets um, in um, in Kickass. This yeah. was like a comedy book where Absolutely. he just uses Hit Girl as like you know oh she's killed these people she'll slice your head off yeah and call you a cunt hilarious it's crazy she has a lot of guns. <laughs> Um, but yeah, basically it's her breaking out a, a terrorist, a Colombian kind of assassin, um, uh, from, from, from his death penalty sentence so that she can help her kill some people because she misses working with kick-ass and wants a friend who likes killing people like she does. I didn't hate this as much as I hated Kick-Ass, but totally. I'm not going to keep reading it. Like it yeah. Just not for me. It, I definitely think Mark Miller writes these stories better when he just goes full comedy and then when he tries to have like a social conscience about it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, look, it was it was more bearable than that Kick-Ass issue, but doesn't say much. More bearable. More, <laughs> it was moreable. Uh, so those are our Image, DC, and Marvel number one reviews. We'll be reviewing the rest of their numbers that they put out this week uh, later in the episode. But first, we have some other publishers who put out number ones this week. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start with probably my favorite number one this week. And mm. that is uh, Declan Shalvey uh, making his uh, debut, not as an artist, because I think he's done lots of covers for them before, um, but as a writer. Um, so Declan Shalvey, uh, I guess best known at the moment, is the artist on uh, Injection by Warren mm-hmm. Ellis. And uh, he's done that great Moon Knight run as artist with Warren Ellis as well. Absolutely. Um, he wrote an excellent uh, graphic novel for Image last year. Savage Town. Savage Town. Thank you. You're remembering all the things today. I've got a good It's almost memory. like you haven't had a baby in the last few months. <laughs> you know, you had a baby brain. You could, you, so it was like the, <laughs> for one, once I had the better memory of the two of us. <laughs> The worst thing about baby brain is all mums are like, it never comes back. Your brain never comes back. And you're like, oh, God. And my wife used to it's call true. her mom and be like, oh, my God, it's so hard, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, well, these are the easy days. Like, you're not fucking helping. It's <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Uh, so this had art by um, PJ Holden, um, which I thought was actually quite reminiscent of, of Shalvey's stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, in its own style and perfectly suited to this story. Wait, um, I actually said what it is. It's James Bond M. 007 M. M. This is all about M. It's a one shot. The leader. Is it a leader? The, the, the head of um, yeah. MI6? I'm pretty sure that's the queen. All oh, right. The queen. <laughs> when are we going to get James Bond, the queen? <laughs> I would like Soon. That. Um, and this also had colors by Diablo Kelly. Um, that's 100% an Irish name that I don't know how to pronounce. Diablo? Did I say it right? No. No, damn it. That's 100% not correct, but I don't know how to say it. Right. How, what, how, how do you do bees in? Well, you should want. Well, so, it very so, much right, depends. Right. So, yeah, right. Like, so, Diarvo. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I can do it 50% Irish. Shut up. <laughs> um, so, this saw um, M um, being pulled back to his past um, and blackmailed into um, assisting um someone back in Belfast where mm-hmm. he uh, fought as a soldier um, during the... The Troubles. Yeah, during... Uh, was it, is it the ni- early 90s? I guess so. Um, but yeah, basically he, he's tasked with giving um, the, the names and locations of um, former spies for the IR... 
IRA. IRA. Cool. I was going to say IRS. So no one of them is not the Irish thing. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's a quite a it's a it's a very heavy story. This isn't mm-hmm. this ain't your light. Uh, you know, no leprechauns here. No shark tanks in this one. Yep. That's a James yeah. Bond reference. Yeah, I don't know. That's not an Irish thing. You know, like, the Irish like and the shark tanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this episode is called the Irish and the shark tanks. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, th- I, I thought this was, this was handled with, um, it's a very, it's a pretty sensitive topic. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, Belfast is uh, one of those kind of, you know, referred to as a, you know, a war or a massacre that few Absolutely. people are quite privy to all the information about. Um, and uh, the CFA handled it quite sensitively without really, you know, showing the, the, the bad sides of both sides of the, of the war. Absolutely. It's great having an Irish writer to take that on. And um, th- so the voices all come across as very genuine and real and the, the feel of it feels very grounded. Yeah. And we also keep it in this very grounded um, feeling universe that Warren Ellis created. So it makes mm. sense that Shalvey kind of, you know, is, is contributing to this too. It Absolutely. ends it ends on a quite a flat, like, ooh boy, kind of gut yeah. punch. Um, and so does uh, the second issue of The Body, um, the Alice Scott, yeah, James Bond series one. that we're going to talk about later in the episode. But I thought this was a great one shot. I've been, I've been, I just, I just love this. It's so crazy yeah. that James Bond comics are so good. Absolutely. I haven't seen a James Bond movie that I liked in a long time. Um, no, me neither. Sorry, I just really thought about it for a second. <laughs> but I, I love these comics, and I just I wish the movies were like this. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred. Just these super dry, bleak, like mm. spy books. They're awesome. And also, with a sassy man at the center, great. Um, it. Yeah, it's really, really great. But I, I think yeah, this spotlight on M, you know, it's it's very. You don't think well, okay, like you know, M is a is a is as a black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in this um, version of Bond, mm-hmm. and I think the, the like you know like oh cool they're going to do an M special, but they're going to send him. He's still he's still a, a, an Englishman, mm. that, but it's sending him to Belfast is not somewhere that I would expect the M special to go. And, totally. and he tells such a great story with M in this because yeah. you know like the the like Belfast is a place that's you know progressed slightly, but in some ways not at all. Absolutely. Yeah, this is an awesome, awesome one shot. Really great, loved it. I hope they do a collection of all these one shots. Yeah, totally. This is a it's a really beautiful world that do it, and it's bizarre that Dynamite are the ones publishing it because yeah. Dynamite uh, so so rarely get things right. Um, more often than Dino wrong. Nice. Um, thanks, Jim. Thought that was pretty funny. Um, so over to um, IDW now for their Black Crown imprint, um, which has been kind of hit and miss. Oh, actually, no, just one miss. We didn't yeah. like that. Um, one miss, one hit. Kid Eternity. What's it called? Kid Lobotomy. Kid Lobotomy. Um, but uh, I've enjoyed Assassinistas quite a lot, and now we get the first issue of Punk's Not Dead, which is a uh, a book written by David Barnett. Um, wait, so was this not a, a number one issue? It says, there's a, it says the story so far, or is it just kind of setting the scene? I think it's just setting the scene. So this is uh, basically written by David Barnett with art by um, uh, Martin Simmons, um, and <coughs> yeah, this is through Shelley Bond's... Um, new Black Crown imprint, the third book that she's put out um, through her imprint. Um, and it's basically about um, a young teenager um, who uh, starts being able to see the ghost of who you assume is Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols, mm. um, who refers to himself as Sid and looks like Sid Vicious. But um, we learn he's not Sid Vicious. He's just some punk that looks like Sid because all punks looked like Sid back then. Really? Yeah. That if you read the, the, the back matter, it's not, it's not really mm. Sid Vicious. He's an archetype, uh, okay. a spirit world amalgam. 
right. amalgam. Okay. Is that just because they yep. didn't want to get sued by Sid Vicious's family? Or? <laughs> Probably. Um, but yeah, he's like, yeah, a, a kid not doing well at, well at school and his family, his mum forces him to like go on talk shows and, and be part of like magazine scandals. Um, so they can make, that's how they, they get by. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, so always kind of like coming across as a troubled teen, but then yeah, he, start, he, he starts being able to see a, um, a ghost, a punk ghost who's been dead since the seventies. And, um, we see like Sid kind of teach him how to fight and that kind of thing um this is like a surprisingly sweet yeah i really story. enjoyed this i co- thought this was going to be way more tragic than it was like an old guy writing about punk and blah mm. blah blah yeah so totally like genuinely good fun i liked it yeah me too i thought this is really 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 cool like the art like the colors ticks all around and uh yeah i, I enjoy the humor throughout it as you know unmistakably british which i think is mm-hmm. what Shelley Bond and a lot of the best Vertigo stuff kind of w- w- sought out to be this kind of window into extremely British comics. <laughs> mm. um, I really enjoyed this. This was a this was a cool cool surprise. Yeah, and like a weird concept executed really, really well. <coughs> um, so Shelley Bond was one of the uh, Vertigo editors who was f- rudely fired by DC and went on to start her own imprint. And so too was Karen Berger, and so she started her own imprint called Berger Books at Dark Berger. Is it Berger or Berger, Jim? You're more likely to know. We think it's Burger. All right, um, Burger books um, through Dark Horse, and um, what, what, what do we see from her recently? Um, yeah, I don't know. It was cool. I remember that much. Um, Hungry Ghost. No, it wasn't cool. But Incognito. Ah, we yes. got Incognito Renaissance through uh, through through this so far, and also the uh, Anthony Bourdain Hungry Ghost thing, which is not as cool. But this week we got um, the untold story of the original femme fatale Mata Hari, which has been written by Emma Beebe with art by Ariala Cristantina and Pat Mezzioni on colors. Um, this... I didn't read this because I thought this was not a number one for some reason. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, you would have loved this. Damn it. It's because there was another Matahari comic recently, wasn't there? Right. So I don't know. I'm not familiar with the story of Matahari. Could you sum it up quickly? She was like the first Lady Sexy Spy, right? I mean, that's said that on the cover. That's what a femme fatale means. <laughs> Lady Sexy Spy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we see her. She's been condemned to death row at the start of this. And there, this jumps back and forth throughout time. Of it through her lifetime, um, and we learn of the various secrets that she's been forced to keep or chooses to keep herself. Um, and you know, she's also a prostitute, um, and um, that's why she's being uh, put to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she has all these different secret lives that that slowly um, unravel um, as she writes her um, kind of untold story. Mm. <coughs> so yeah, it's a tragic, sexy spy story. Cool with uh, with pretty great art. By Ariella Christantina. Christ, it's actually very easy to say. I don't know why I'm stumbling over it. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Hmm. So yeah, I'm um, sad I missed it. Burger Books and uh, and Black Crown both putting out some good books for the most yeah, part. Lovely. Um, finally, More female editors. I looked at this and I went, you know what? I just can't do it. To I made it three pages in, um, but I just thought I'd give a special shout out. Um, last year, I think we worked out he put out like 28 number ones in uh, 2017, it's too and uh, this is his first number one for 2018. Please welcome back to First Things First his triumphant return, Cullen Bun, <coughs> with a new horror book that he's put out through Dynamite called Pumpkinhead, with art by Blackie Shepherd and Kyle Strom. <coughs> um, I made it four pages into this, and I was like, this is not for me. Nice. But if you miss if you miss Cullen Bunn doing uh doing pretty uh you know by the numbers horror, <laughs> um go and go and check this out. <clears throat> no one put a pumpkin on their head. Yeah, in I know. Four pages. That was my that was my main problem with it. 
No pumpkins. So those are all our number ones for the week. And if you would like to discuss these books, especially if you uh, if you read Pumpkinhead and want to tell us that we really miss out on an incredible book, mm-hmm. um, head to facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast, which is our Facebook group uh, in which you are welcome to talk about comics with many other people 24 hours a day from all over the world. They come to talk about comics there mm-hmm. and there only. Absolutely. You can't talk about else. comics anywhere else. I've never heard of another place. Okay, now guess what time it is. It is... 20 past 2. Also, it's time to roll the dice to see whether we talk about Image, Marvel, or DC next. Oh. Um, so I'm going to roll this dice. If I roll 1 to 2, it's Image. 3 to 4, it's Marvel. 5 to 6, it's DC. And we rolled a 2 first, so Image first. Cool. Then uh, 3, Marvel, finally, DC. Great. Easy peasy. Let's kick off with um, the most beloved um, regular segment, semi-regular segment. Hey, all right. Of Serious Issues, and that is... My favorite segment. Siobhan... Describes in great detail the um, XXX cover variant of uh, this month's Sex Criminals, issue number 22. Um, There's a little bit of a warning on the back. It says, for mature readers, duh. It's not even that mature, really, unless you think romance is mature. Mm. And uh, have that in mind when you read this decidedly not very triple X variant. Ah, that's a nice one. It's by Hannah Hannah, Hammond... Hannah Blumenreich, is that how you would pronounce her name? Yep. Who, um, she does all these really cute Spider-Man um, webcomics. Right. Anyway, this is uh, Susie and John doing a sort of high romance cover, I suppose. Like a like a Fabio-esque thing. But with the genders swapped, I'm into it. Very cute. I like that one. So yeah, it looks like Susie's driving something into John. Not uh, the other way around. Yes, it does. <laughs> Classic um, Susie and John. And then there's a lighthouse in the background. Yeah. And it's a pretty erotic uh, dong-shaped lighthouse. Look, my my long-term life dream is to be a lighthouse keeper. Is to have sex with a lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's my life dream, guys. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Sex Criminals, issue number 22 came out, written by Matt Fraction and art by Chip Zdarsky. This uh, book is in a pretty strange place at the moment. Yeah. Um, oh, where is my copy? Because it's kind of about breaking up and it's about moving on and mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's sadder than it usually is. Oh, it's, it's a pretty sad <laughs> it comic. It is, really is. It's like the saddest comedy comic. Um, but it opens with uh, a recap page uh, set to Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, in which they reveal, whoa, we're two-thirds through, whoa, issue 22. <laughs> so I guess that means if they're two-thirds through, which is 22, that means they're going to go to 33. I guess. I'm not good at maths. Well, the, the maths on that checks out. Um, so I guess, yeah, maybe 11 issues left of Sex Criminals. Potentially well, a bummer? I think that's probably a good... Yeah, I think it's, it feels like it's wrapping up towards a big fun ending. Absolutely. <clears throat> or a big sad ending. I, I've got to assume it's going to be sad. Um, this is definitely like a slower, the cogs are moving in the, in the direction um, that they planned to be moving in mm-hmm. uh, issue. I can't really give much of a review than that. It was a bit, not boring. It was just, there's know. just a lot. Like there's so much going on in this book at the moment and they just keep adding in new stuff. Like the ghost of Susie's dad is maybe in a computer. I like that a lot. That was the highlight like of, of, of this issue. It was cute. And I also really liked, um, I mean, the, the ending is sad, but kind of good in a sense. Like it sees John going back to, a sex club when he new, thought yeah. he never would and him sort of going like, this is what I want, isn't it? This yeah. is good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I Look, it, it's 
No, I, I know it's intentional. John is a decidedly less likable character than Susie in almost every way. I think I am the only person who likes John more than Susie. Really? I don't really like Susie, but I quite like John. But Susie also has, like, she's not she's, she's as flawed as John, but yeah. I, just, I just feel like I'm always more sympathetic towards Susie than I am John. No, I like how John pooped in um, his boss's... <laughs> that was great, yeah. <laughs> Plant that uh, one time. And look, at and I love the way that they explore anxiety through, through, through John. Absolutely. But, um... Uh, and, you know, in the back matter, like the back matter is a, it's a tough read this month, like great, but also points out something that I didn't pick up on in the issue originally. Yeah, of course. It's a, 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 the, the back matter is all about a letter written in about miscarriages. Um, and uh, we get a very personal uh, take on that from Matt Fraction. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it is like it says a lot about this comic that it is able to be such a, you know, goofy sex comic that also handles very, very hard to talk about issues mm-hmm. that are often the, the, the because of sex mm-hmm. um, like that but yeah I, I, it's it's a good issue just a difficult it one is. to talk about in depth but I, I I'm enjoying where Susie is at right now more than I am enjoying where, where John is at I think mm. John's more destructive yeah um, and I always I always I have less sympathy towards characters like that I think Susie like <laughs> I, don't yeah. why, I don't know why I'm it's a great discussion this. please no, but please. like I think I think Susie is very like um, emotionally self-destructive Right. I think she just ignores things mm. more than he would. And I, I guess I relate to that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so uh, over to Redlands, issue number six, written by Geordie Belair, with art by Vanessa Del Rey and Clayton Cowles. Um, and uh, issue six is the finale of the first arc of this book. Mm-hmm. When they said, well, we did it, guys, I was like, oh, no, this is the end of this yeah, series. Holy saying. shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, this uh, was described by Belair as the angriest thing she's ever written. Mm. Um, and but Cal said, "This is you've, you've got angrier things within you." Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this is a very, very uh, angry, angry issue towards, uh, like you know, from from the point of view of a of a younger sex worker and uh, and her, you know, someone who basically paid money to abuse her. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's grim. It's there are moments that take you away from how you know realistic and 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 sad this 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 story is, but. I don't think it lessens the impact that this that a story like this has on yeah, the reader. Absolutely, I love a good like revenge, um, revenge story. Yeah, I think this definitely. is really like, like fueled by this incredible fire. But normally, you see a revenge comic, comic like yeah, sorry, comic or a revenge story where like yeah, like the the guy gets brutally killed and then they drive off into the sunset. Mm. Um, you know shooting guns in the air this does not happen in this absolutely um it's a it's a it's a sad book but mm. a really powerful one and mm-hmm. um one of the best image comics to to hit the stands in the last year i think absolutely johnny blair is a massive talent yeah definitely i'm and so excited to see what she does next the next the next volume is called water on the fire cool um, and uh, which is absolutely considering the last thing that we see uh in this issue mm. is everything on fire um but um yeah looking forward to the return of this series it's yeah. really really great absolutely everyone should, should check it out i guess the first trade isn't isn't too far off mm-hmm. Redlands, really good series Absolutely. Another great new series from Image, newish series. Uh, we got the fifth issue of Maestros this week. Very, very different book, so but different. Uh, just always my one of my favorites. Every time it comes out, mm-hmm. uh, written by written and drawn by Steve Scross with colors by Dave Stewart, letters by Phonographics. Um, this is a story of uh, a young wizard who inherits uh, his father's kingdom when his father is uh, brutally murdered at the Along beginning with his of this arc. Family. Yep. <coughs> and um, Dong Watch in this one, uh, yeah. Troll Dong Watch, actually many Dong Watch. Yes, this is a mini Dong story. Yep, 
that's another good name for the uh, for the episode. Um, what did I say I was going to call it earlier? I can't remember. I don't want to listen back to me saying stupid things. Maybe this is going to be called Many Dong Story now. Nice. You'll know before you even listen, dear listener. Um, but uh, yeah, this uh, this sees um, Maestro in hell trying to make a deal with the devil who has been uh, wronged by the Maestro's father in the past. And uh, why should he trust the Maestro now? Absolutely. Um, there's so much funny, funny stuff, like just in, in the in the art, in the writing. Mm-hmm. Um and but this, there is a lot of weight to the story. You, I do care about Maestro now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's you know he's a absolutely flawed character who constantly fucks up and can't really be trusted. But you know every every moment of glory he has is immediately undone by something that he's neglected to think about. Um, and uh, he's in quite a pickle at the end of this issue. Although the, the the cover of the next issue kind of suggests that maybe the pickle isn't that bad at all. Yeah, <laughs> I like a thing that I really enjoy about this comic is that. Um, it has incredibly high stakes, but it's totally willing to just like take him back. Like death kind of is a bit meaningless in this. Like people totally. die in horrible ways and then in an instant they're back. Yeah. It's kind of fun. I really, it's, it's super, super fun. And, and Considering all of earth got destroyed at the end of this issue. Yeah, totally. Which is not really a spoiler because I feel like it, you know, it could be in, in his imagination or it mm-hmm. might just be undone immediately. Um, it's so much fun, this book, and he just draws the fuck out of it. He's one of the best cartoonists. He's so good. I've it's ever like encountered. a like a very Frank Quietly. Or um, what's his name? Who does um, Shaolin Cowboy? Uh, Jeff, Jeff Darrow. Darrow. Somewhere yeah. in, in the yeah. middle of those two. <laughs> yeah, which is two great people to be in the middle of. Absolutely. A hell of a sandwich. I'd love that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is a great issue. Yeah. Great, great run. Again, another, they're probably one issue away from a trade release as well. Absolutely. Pick it up, guys. Maestro's and Redlands. Probably the two best image, new image books to come out in the last year. Maybe. Maybe we've got another contender here too. Ice Cream Man, um, written by um, is it W. Martin Prince? Maxwell. W. Maxwell Prince. And art by Martin Marazzo. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. And lettering by Good Old Neon. That's a fun name. That's a good name. This is a uh, kind oh. kind of an anthology, like a dark kind of uh, Twilight Zone-esque, yeah. uh, you know, ev- the stories in each is- issue to issue are, are, are vaguely related mm-hmm. because of this ice cream man who mm-hmm. is a man in an ice cream van who does not give people ice cream. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, it's not really about ice cream. And after getting a pretty, you know, dark story about um, a tarantula who, a little boy's tarantula who kills his, the boy's parents yep. in the first issue, we get a like, really, really dark, like 10 times darker yeah. story about, so depressing. about two junkies trying to score a hit. Yeah. Incredibly um, heart-wrenching. Totally. Like, like, gorgeous. And it has this very juxtaposition of very, very, like, realistic kind of believable you know something you would expect to see in like breaking bad or a drama Mm -hmm. like that um then suddenly the ice cream man shows up Mm. and he doesn't pull you out of the situation at all like and he he also you know could also not exist as well like i feel like they've almost he just happens to be there at the right time or his van happens to be there at the Mm -hmm. right time um to to offer them what they may want but not necessarily need Mm. um this is a really really strange book but i really really like it Absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoy this. I love Martin Morazzo. I think he's incredible. But there was no, there was not really a comedic element to this issue at all. At no point was this funny. Um, so, yeah, very, very, very strange and bold uh, issue. The, ne- the next one ha- has uh, an older guy 
playing a very strange modded like steampunk guitar. Mm. So who knows what, what that's going to be? Who knows? Maybe be a musical issue. Uh, let's talk about one of Siobhan's favourite books on the stands right now. Yeah. Hey, uh, Twisted Romance, issue number three of four, a monthly uh, book about romance. Weekly. Sorry, weekly. Weekly. Um, for this month only. Um, so this is issue three or four. Um, written, the main story is written by Al- Alex DeCampi with a guest artist each each month. And this month we had Carla Speed McNeil on the main uh, feature. And then we had um, some backup material, uh, some prose by Jess Bradley and a, um, a comic when you flip the book over, a little short comic by Margaret Troth. Um, and this time we got a, um, uh, a gay romance between... Um, uh, a sold like a, like, a, like a sci-fi comic, mm-hmm. um, in which a um, a ship captain and a uh, sort of terrorist, I suppose, or rebel, yeah. revolutionary, um, the unlikeliest of lovers fall in love. It's so cute. It's so good. I loved it. I love Carl Speed McNeil. I think she's so great, and I love Alex DeCampi. I love this whole project. I think it's been so fun and so rewarding. I'm so into it. Yeah, when this is all collected in a trade, it's going to be the easiest gift gift for so many people I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's so varied and cool and different. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got more of Carla Speed McNeil to talk about later in the episode. She did an, episode, an issue of Empowered this week. Yes. Um, but here we see her work, her, her work uncolored, mm-hmm. just her like and very very rough pencils um, in some parts too. It was really cool. Yeah. This felt very different, um, not just in tone or in romance to the other um, main features of Twisted Romance so far, but also from an art point of view. Absolutely. I, yeah, I really liked it. And she's normally she normally does work in black and white, and so it's really cool to see her um, her sort of working in the genre that she usually works in, as well as in the sort of um, style that she usually does. So that was cool as hell. Yeah, and I feel like you know, like kudos to DeCampi for just really just writing the hell out of these characters yeah. and making them feel so believable, like in just one one shot. And in like completely different genres across the board, like she's so talented. Yeah, and I like. I I don't know what's gonna what the next issue is gonna have. I don't. Right. I'm not looking that up. I'm not. I'm no. not a solicitations kind of dude. It's lovely but, um, to be surprised. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the surprise of the final issue. And this has been a great series so far. Even if you haven't been reading, um, each issue, just pick up that fourth one because yeah. they're all, they're all standalone, and really really fun. If, we, if if you've enjoyed our descriptions of any of the past issues, go in, my friend. Please, please do. <coughs> so worthwhile, guys. Um, I read uh, Descender issue number twenty seven. Um, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Nguyen, uh, a science fiction book um, in which robots destroy much of the earth and there's a big ongoing battle between people and robots. And uh, this issue begins with the description, 4,000 years ago, and uh, we are kind of sent to this discovery of of a robot race uh, by humans. Um, and... Uh, Basically, we yeah we, we introduce characters that I'm not sure how you know directly related they are to the the main characters of Descender, uh, or if they even are. Considering this is four thousand years ago, or maybe that's inevitable. They're related to everyone. Mm. Is that how long it takes? Four thousand four thousand years. You're related to everybody that exists. What? Is that how that works? Is that <laughs> enough, is that enough time for, for for it to tree out like that? I don't know. Some, someone genealogists, let us know. Yeah, yeah. I assume you all listen. That's someone who studies genies, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, this uh, I, I kind of like it when... Um... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When books just suddenly, like, create our own books, we're just, I'm just going to tell a completely different story in this universe. It's going to tie into the, the main story, but oh, cool. you won't know why to begin with. It's cool. Good issue. Uh, did you read The Further Adventures of Nick Wilson, issue number two? I sure did. It's written by Eddie Gorodetsky. And Mark Andreko with art by Steven Sadowski, um, colors by Hi-Fi, um, and is the story of a once was hero who loses his powers and uh, is now just like, you know, just being an average dude trying to pay his bills by doing kids parties and bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the end of the last issue, his once big, you know, biggest enemy um, shows up and offers him like a deal to kind of create the muse- a museum dedicated to his past life as a superhero. Um, and uh, the, this whole thing is about his decision. You know, does he work with his ex-villain? It may be his only option. There, I think this is fine. Yeah, me too. There is um, one of my least favorite things in the world, which is funny considering I, you know, I'm a DJ and music is a big part of my life. I can't stand it when comics talk about, or comics or movies, unless it's like a, a music-based movie, and there are a few exceptions. Like I'm, I'm definitely hypocritical about it. Like I, I, I'm okay with, I'm okay with like comedies, I guess. But like the best example of this is in Juno, um, when um, Jason Bateman's character um, starts talking about like, like really, really basic punk records with Juno, mm. and it's just like so cringy because they're all bands that actually exist, and it just feels like the writer like flexing her knowledge mm. of of music onto the audience. Mm. And in this one, like it's a lot more um, a lot more um, obscure than that. We have this girl show up at the at a bar that the that Nick Spen- Nick, uh, Nick Spencer Nick Wilson is at, um, <laughs> and um, 
start they start talking about old Mississippi blues. Yeah. Which is just like fucking young girls with like no offense, I'm not even stereotyping here, but like What are you trying to say? Young like, girls can't like blues. No, music. no, not young girls. Young girls <laughs> with with dyed blonde and and orange hair that show up at I bars know. and start talking to random single. It's like men. um, it's like Garden State, exactly, or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, listen to the shins; it'll change your life. I mean, just it's, people yeah. don't talk like that. People don't suddenly inflict their music tastes on Absolutely. on strangers. And it's very like manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> yeah, she's like a young girl that's being hit on by, the, by this like old fat dude at a bar. And Every the- old fat dude's dream. But then I was like, oh, I guess it's okay because then he backs it up in the backup material by actually talking about the band he was talking about, the Memphis Jug Band and his hatred of the Grateful Dead and, and like other other music that he likes. And I was like, you could have just put that, like, you know, you, you could do whatever you want in this, in this, in the back pages of your comic. Just put the music stuff in there without linking it to the, like, without having some random girl show up and be you yeah. with your music taste. Yeah. I don't know. Like, have a, if, if you have to have that, I know this is like a very, very pedantic kind of explanation of why I don't like something, but like have the girl wear a Memphis Jug Band t-shirt or a pin or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's Yeah, a you weird don't have gripe. to like insert it in as like, look, she has a personality. All right, yeah. guys. Yeah. She likes music. Yeah. She's not like other girls. <laughs> There's other girls who just listen to silence all day. I do like silence. We know. That's why you don't listen to me. Well, <laughs> I'm not actually, we're actually in, in separate rooms and she just presumes yeah with your psychic skills of what i'm talking about eternal empire (laughs) number seven written by sarah vaughan and jonathan luna with art by jonathan luna um a very strange uh, other world fantasy book in which uh two random people from random slave tribes um discover that when they're near each other they have they manifest superpowers um and learn that the uh the third one like them descendants of dragons uh is like the mean overlord who they have to um, overthrow. The evil empress. Yeah, the empress. Um, and so this was like their their training issue. Yeah. Um, training montage with an old guy who teaches them to use their fire swords. And I think like, I think it's just my love of the simplicity of Luna's art. That, yeah, it's that gorgeous. That pulls me through this book. Absolutely. I don't, I don't really care about the story at all. No, I mean It's not either. a bad story. I just I just don't care. But I love the art so much, and I'm gonna I'm gonna see this through to the end. Yeah. I agree. I'm never. I never <laughs> see it. I'm never like, oh hell yeah, another issue of this. I'm like, oh cool, like you know, this is a book that I enjoy. Like, yeah, I'm gonna look read. at this. Yeah, exactly. It's nice. The story's good, but it's just like it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's nowhere near as interesting to me as the art. Absolutely. <coughs> Especially when you consider that Sarah Vaughan's other book at the moment is Sleepless, which I think is like you know the incredible, very very great rich story. This mm. the, all the characters in here just feel a little bit blank. Yeah, I guess it's more about like um, the world. Yeah, the world as opposed to these two specific people, which is interesting, but maybe is a bit of a miss. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, I I I I can't imagine it's got many more issues left. I reckon it's gonna be a twelve issue run for yeah. sure. I'm enjoying it though. That's uh, Inter- Eternal Empire. Um, finally, speaking of uh, great art with a story I don't really care about or follow, um, Moonshine returned uh, this week after a long hiatus. Issue number seven, um, written by Brian Azzarello and art by uh, Eduardo Riso. It's the same team that gave us um, 100 Bullets and a few other series that weren't as popular as 100 Bullets, 100 Bullets being one of my favorite series of all time. Um, this book looks incredible. And like as an artist, Eduardo Riso has just grown so much. He's so good. He's such a brilliant artist. But this book, which is kind of like about like prohibition era, like moonshine industry mashed with werewolves. Mo- werewolves. It just it sounds cooler than it is. It sounds like it should be so fun, but it's like the vagueness in Azarello's storytelling 
And but is that because we've had like months and months between issues? No. Do you think it'll he, read better in trade? Definitely, yeah. But also, like he, I, I remember each issue pretty well. Mm. I don't like. I, I, you, it says a lot about Riso's um, art that you can recognize each character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and who they are. Um, at least, like you know, like the five main ones. Um, you never be like, who's that again? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think from a story point of view, it's just it's it, it's really t- taking its time and things happen, but at a just bizarrely paced story. Yeah, I think it would be. Um, I sort of expected it to be a little bit tighter. Like, what is this issue seven? Yeah. I sort of thought it was going to be a six issue mini. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that probably would have been better, given that I didn't even read this issue. So I, like, <laughs> I don't have time. Yep. I'm willing to let this one slide. This could have been a hundred silver bullets. Could have been. That's a that's a werewolf reference. It's very good. Thank you so much. It's very good. Um, so those are our image books for the week, and now we're going to talk about Marvel, who apparently had a good week. Let's find out. Um, so we got the finale, final issues, the finale issues of um, four series that image of, that Marvel have been putting out. Um, a couple of them were mini series. Others were long running uh, ish- series that became mini series because mm-hmm. you—that's just what Marvel do now. Classic. Um, but uh, the one I want to kick it off with is a book that um, I really am going to push for you to mm. once this is collected, finish this one out. I'm mm. um, talking about Punisher the, the Platoon, which is uh, a book by an artist that Siobhan struggles to enjoy, mm-hmm. Garth Ennis. Um, but he, you know, is there are two there are two sides of Garth Ennis. There is the uh, grim and serious real-world war-writing Garth Ennis, mm-hmm. who has written about the Vietnam War countless times. And, in fact, the back matter of this issue addresses that and his obsession with it. Um, and then there is the kind of, like, crass, dumb joke, mm. um, you know, like the worst parts of a Seth Rogen or, the or boys. Kevin. Yeah, the boy, like, all that kind of bullshit you know, like a good story that's suddenly undermined by like, what was that horrible, uh, a man being forced to eat the shit from a dog's butt yeah. as he tells him like to lick his asshole. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, I don't need to read this. No, absolutely. Um, but when he's doing this, the, the, the serious stuff, which he's done for like, God, it must be almost 20 years now with his Punisher, the Max, mm-hmm. Punisher Max series. Uh, coming on 20 years, maybe 12, 12 years. I don't Who know. Knows, um, but yeah, they've been started. It was one of the first uh, Max imprint books over at Marvel many years ago and became the basis of the um, hilarious Punisher Warzone movie. Which one, one was that one? The was one directed the by the Jane woman. One? No, I can't remember. I can't remember who, anyway. who the Punisher was. It's pretty funny. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, the uh, Punisher the Platoon was the latest in this uh, in this very kind of grounded Punisher series that Garth Ennis has been writing for a long time. And he's frequent collaborator on, on art for um, much of his uh, Punisher Max run and the Fury Max run that he did too, which was mm-hmm. also in the same universe, which is highly recommended too. It's called um, My War Gone By. And it's like three short stories, each set in different wars. And Nick Fury is a general or a soldier mm-hmm. in, in all of them. Um, and uh, this, yeah, the Punisher the Platoon is like basically like the earliest he's gone back um, into into Frank Castle's life, and we see Punisher Frank Castle as um, like leading his platoon through an unwinnable um, fight in in the Vietnam War. And uh, the this story is told in the past and also in the present, with um, all of the surviving members of his platoon being interviewed by a journalist who's trying to get to the heart of what makes Frank Castle tick. And um, this ended just so strongly, um, from a like as as a war story, as a study of of 
of of character of, of of not just Frank Castle but all of these survivors, all these veterans um, that we've only been introduced to in this story, um, with just shockingly good art by Goran Parlov with brilliant colors by Jordi Belair. This was uh, this is going to be one of the more celebrated books from this era of Marvel, I think, even though it doesn't tie into it at all. But this is as good as Marvel comics can be, in my opinion. Like, you know, it's very, very different. It's a, it's a, I know you don't like it because mm. it's, you know, it's realistic and, um, I, I don't I'm think not, it glorifies not, war, but. I'm not opposed to real, like, I think, I think it's just one of those things that is really hard to put my finger on exactly. And if I sort of probably read more of his comics and thought about it more sincerely I would probably be able to figure it out but I just don't like Garth Ennis's tone just there's something about his books that just never appeals to me for some reason you know yeah I get it like he's never afraid to use slurs in his book which I know can be a put off for a lot of people it's not even that it's just like like I, I literally don't know how to explain it it's just something to do with his voice the voice in all of his books that I just doesn't appeal to me yeah I, I definitely think this is like a very different voice to what I mean he actually always does a war arc and I, I can't think of one series he's done where the character doesn't have like a history as a soldier or his father mm. was a soldier or something yeah. like that but um, he loves war he does love war he writes he writes war stories very well and I think this is one of his best um, yeah I, re- I really recommend it when it's collected if you, if you have a moment mm-hmm. re- fin- finish out the arc because I think it's really really great it's just six issues and um, I feel like it could almost serve as your entry point into the Punisher Max stuff, that, which I think is like not only like the best thing that Ennis has done by far, but also one of my, my favorite runs that I've ever read. Yeah, there you go. You don't have no to like it though. though. What's that? No jet skis. No jet skis. Um, what if I what if I opened it? Oh, it was a jet ski. Oh fuck! There is some brutal shit in this. Yeah, it's horrible. It's so good. It's so it, it was a really really satisfying end to this arc because um, it's like you know. It's not, you don't see Punisher kill someone in this and go, fuck yeah, Punisher killing people. It's like, oh, this off-putting. That's mm. cool when comics make you feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another book that finished this week um, is uh, an unfortunately, you know, slightly unloved run that I'd tapped out of at first but came back on board. And that is uh, Luke Cage, uh, which has been written by David F. Walker. Um, who before this did one of our favorite books, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, which also, star- also starred Luke Cage. Um, and um, finishing this uh, this arc um, is uh, artist Guillermo Sana and um, Marcio Menes on colors. And um, this this finale, um, basically, you know, we, 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 they definitely kind of tried to ma- up the stakes and make it. They took him out of Harlem. They they sent mm. him like to like kind of explore his past a bit more to kind mm-hmm. of tie into the cage series on Netflix. Um, it felt like a lot more grounded than I want a Luke Cage book to be. Mm. Um, and then for this issue, they brought him home and it's him telling his daughter a story. And I feel like the daughter of Jessica Jones and, and Luke Cage, she's just always there. They never really explore her personality. Yeah. Um, and, um, and Walker even admits this in, in the, in the back matter. Um, but yeah, what's her name? Danielle Cage yeah. Jones. How old is she supposed to be now? I guess four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is basically the whole issue is um, is he's going to read her a bedtime story and then she asks him to make up one and then she ends up just telling her, her him a story. And Huge. it's goofy and silly and it doesn't always nail the tone of what a toddler mm. or, a, like, or a young child sounds like, but it gets pretty damn close and, it, and it's sweet the whole way through without ever being too saccharine. Lovely. There's great Jessica Jones moments in the background as she listens on and kills herself laughing mm. whenever you know, Luke Cage is forced to like, read a ridiculous 
element of the story about, which is about a princess who's also a warrior. Amazing. And like, yeah, it's, it's really, really great. Um, and the whole thing is about how, she, how um, Danielle was bullied at school that Aww. day. And so she's getting cheered up with this story. And so, of it's course, so her story mirrors that. I really love this. I thought it was a beautiful, a beautiful ending that I, I think if you loved Power Man and Iron Fist, read this as the ending of that run. Yeah, right. Instead of the ending of a up and down Luke Cage run that I think it was only up and down because Walker was forced to tone the black down a little bit, I mm. guess, like make it a kind of a, just a generic hero book. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, he didn't, I, I want to see Luke Cage say sweet Christmas. That's such an important do. part of, of his character. It's a key element. Um, th- not that that's a particularly black, you know, <laughs> part of the character, but like, you know, it is absolutely part of the history of that character. And I feel like whenever he really nailed the in Power Man and Iron Fist, you know, and you've heard countless episodes of me complaining about yeah. what, what I miss about it, but like he, he nailed the kind nailed of the, the pulpiness of, yeah. of, of Cage's character, but in a modern way where he, where, where he kind of seemed like a funny, fuddy duddy version of himself, but it yeah, really worked. It was cute. Fiddle faddle version of himself. I oh, mean, I love it. I'm going to reread that series really soon. I love yeah, that series. Great. I'd love to see more daddy daughter adventures. Well, apparently there've been, there been some big announcements or like leaks um, or just kind of, you know, talkings about mm. uh, writers and artists that are, that are moving from DC, moving from Marvel. And, um, uh, apparently in there, um, as, uh, David F. Walker, it might be, might, this may be the last thing he's done for Marvel. And fair what? enough too. I understand like yeah. every one of his series has been canceled. Absolutely. Get out of there. Do something <coughs> for yourself. Um, so yeah, I, I can't, I just, I, I want David Walker's one of my favorite writers and, um, I hope that whatever he does next, it gets the support it deserves from Absolutely. both the publisher, mostly the publisher, but also a, a, a fan base. Mm. Um, yeah. And the back matter is, is, this is great. This is a great issue. Loved it. Good on you, David F. Walker. Missing nice. Luke Cage. Um, another book featuring Luke Cage also had its final issue this week, and that is The Defenders, issue number 10, written uh, by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by David Marquez and uh, colors by Justin Ponzor. Uh, of course, this features the Netflix uh, Marvel Defenders team of Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Daredevil, um, with incredible art by, um, by Dave Marquez. That's like the, the absolute selling point of this. And um, basically, this kind of brings it all to, to, to a head. It sees um, um, you have like just classic Bendisisms of um, all these different characters, all these different street level characters talking directly to the camera. It's you know it's Bendis being Bendis. Yeah, he's going to do it in this, and he does it well. I think with with when you've got Marquez on art, totally fucking do it. (laughs) Show as many characters as you possibly can, but don't have them do anything cool. Um, They do some cool stuff. Um, Like uh, I don't actually know what the best thing about this issue was. not only does it kind of wrap up the story from the hero's point of view, but also wraps up the story from all the villains. Um, So you get some great Kingpin moments, some great moments featuring the hood and some great moments featuring um, the black cat. Um, And uh, and then there's a big ending with all the heroes assembling to take down um, the new Kingpin of of New York. Who's Um, the new Kingpin of New York? The hood. But after this, after he gets the shit beat out of him by all the heroes that assemble, probably not him anymore. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, I thought this is, you know, flawed, just like most Bender's comics, but um, a, a fitting farewell to his long legacy at Marvel. Absolutely. Um, if, you are, if you are a fan of his writing, um, I would definitely recommend all 10 issues of The Defenders. Cool. And finally, one you actually read. Yay! <laughs> Deadpool versus Old Man Logan, number five, came out, written by Declan Shalvey, with art by uh, Mike Henderson and colors by Lee Lurridge. This was a pretty fun mm-hmm. team up between um, Old Man Logan and Deadpool. Um, as they try to save the life of a mutant who they both learn maybe shouldn't be saved as the um, 
as the series continued. Mm. Um, and so there were, there were a few moments of, you know, kind of sad, you know, real kind of sadness, but mostly it was, uh, it was good, good, good jokes. Good yeah. Good romp. Yeah. There's a moment where Deadpool <laughs> makes old man Logan fist bump him and old man Logan does it, but then pops his claws. Yeah. Excellent. That's the kind of visual comedy I want from this kind that of That was book. the best moment of this issue, for Absolutely. sure. Um, Declan Shelby's great. And you just see, you, you, they don't, he didn't even let Deadpool like get a crack in, Yeah, which is great. Like I like that old man Logan kind of got the better of Deadpool. Absolutely. Um, you just see that the, the final image of them together is uh, old man Logan's claws through Deadpool's fist and Deadpool just kind of like grimacing. <laughs> yeah. So good. Really great. Really fun. Um, another comic that ended this week... That I really do think that oh, you should shit. go back and yeah, I will. read I will. this um, run because it's excellent. It was Generation X finished um, on issue 87 by writer Christina Strain, art um, by Amal Carpina, and colors by Philippe Sobrero. Um, this is the Jubilee led team of sort of D list mutants. And Jubilee's got her fireworks powers back, everyone. Is she still a vampire? Nope, not a vampire. Whoa. Not fireworks powers. Dating Chamber. This cool. is such a great book. They take down Monet. Everyone dates the people that they want to date. Everyone gets together. This is exactly what I want from an X-Men book. It's teens having puberty problems, and I <laughs> love it. Like, Fantastic. Gorgeously illustrated, really satisfying ending. Mutant pubes. Mutant pubes. That's what I want, and I loved it. Um, and I really hope Christina Strain gets the chance to do something else. Even in like the X universe, I think that she has a great voice for these characters, and I loved it. Loved Unreal. everything about this run. It's really, really worthwhile. Awesome. Well, um, very, very soon, one of our favorite. I would say I, I think I'm going to go on record. This is probably my favorite. Not just my favorite Marvel comic from the last decade, but mm. probably my favorite superhero comic from the last decade. And wow. That is Jason Aaron's The Mighty Thor run. Uh, we know it is coming to an end. Very, oh, actually, we noticed that this arc is coming to an end very soon. Yeah. Uh, no one's been... I don't know what Aaron's doing. And we know he's doing yeah. Avengers. Um, That'll be cool. But uh, yeah, Russell Dart, Dorderman on art, Matt Wilson on colors, and unstoppable duo. So good. Um, and this is, yeah, I guess like uh, we're, we're, we're hitting the end of the story of Jane Foster as the Mighty Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, she's been battling cancer. Every time she holds the hammer and becomes Thor, she undoes all the chemotherapy that um, the doctors are, are giving her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not fighting cancer. And she's been told, basically, um, if you grab that hammer one more time, you're going to die. Yeah. And um, with the last issue, saw her kind of making peace with that. And then this issue sees... Um, the Mangog destroying um, all of uh, Asgard, yeah. Asgard, and um, and uh, you know, basically, no one's able to stop the Mangog. Mangog and is such like in Russell Dorderman's hands. The Mangog is like genuinely terrifying. He is this like scary, rage-filled, fleshy beast, and it's really genuinely terrifying. But it still looks like a you know Kirby Walt Absolutely. Simonson kind of yeah. Uh, creation um i don't know who is, is, is he kirby or Simonson? it's either of those two yeah who knows? um but yeah i mean look we all knew that whenever you tell a, a hero that if they do something one more time they're going to it, it, it'll kill them they'll definitely do that thing For sure. and when it does happen in this issue i audibly said oh no yeah <laughs> and i got quite emotional as it happened too because they it just it is so masterfully built up absolutely this, you know the stakes are kind of away in in her head 
and and the decision is made. Absolutely, and it, it was a gut punch, but but I is- I saw it as much more of a fuck yeah moment. Like she's taking her life in her own way and going out in a blaze of glory, and that's yes, the totally. only way that Jane Foster would do it. And I love it. Yep, no, I totally agree with you. Um, God, I love this this run so much. Yeah, and um, even though, like you know, I know for sure, like you know, if that moment put tears in my eyes and <clears throat> made me croaky to talk about, mm. I'm gonna be a mess in this uh, two issues from now. Absolutely, I can't wait to talk about it with so you when it comes while. out. Love you, it. Look, if you have, if you have not read this run, go back and start it, and then you can read those last two issues with us, and we can yeah. cry together. Yes, I think uh, have a big cry party. It's, it's you know, it's definitely top five comics coming out right now. I don't know. Yeah, you hate putting labels. I hate or something. putting. Labels. I love it. That's all I, need to I, I do love it. It is yeah. great. It is an excellent comic. Um, so that was the Mighty Thor number seven hundred and four, uh, and you talk about one that I didn't read again. Okay, um, I'm assuming you didn't read Astonishing X Men. I did actually. Oh, did Let's you? talk about that? Sure. Oh, cool. Um, um, Charles Soule uh, has been the writer of this series, and until now, it has been top tier Marvel artist talent. And this week was Paulo Sequeira on pencils, and Walden Wong and Roberto Poggi on inkers. And on Incas. On Incas. They were the Incas. Um, and Edgar Delgado on Colors. And I just think this was such a step back in terms of the artistic quality that we've had on this book so far. That yeah. that immediately pulled me away from it. <clears throat> and it all just kind of came crumbling down as I continued reading. I just don't care about this story whatsoever anymore. No, totally. And I hate this stupid, like, young, sexy, Phantom X, Professor X. Just call me X. Yeah. Guys, just call me X. Lame. He should be... Just call me Ecstasy. Yeah. Drugs you just expect him cool. to, like... Um, like spin a chair backwards and sit down and be like, kids, let's rap. Yeah, totally. You know, like it's that sort of vibe, which makes me cringe. And yeah, there's not really much to care about in this book. Yeah. Unfortunately, because I really enjoyed most of it up until now. Me too, definitely. Um, I don't, and this is like far and away my favorite X book. And then yeah. X-Men Red came out. I'm like, oh no, that's the X-Men book I want to read. But see, you should have been reading Generation X this whole time because that's really the X-Men book you should have been reading. I'm, I'm only like four episodes behind. I went to me, four issues behind. I went to me very much later on to catch up. Good. I will, don't worry. Stop worrying so much. I'm such a worrier. Once in your life. Um, one thing I did read that you didn't read was, um, oh God, what's it even called? Tales of Suspense featuring Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier. I forgot Red to read Ledger, this. Whoops. Part three of five, written by Matthew Rosenberg with really bizarre art by Travel Foreman, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Related? Not related. No, I don't say. think I have it. Um, yeah, this is weird. This is a weird comic. I wish you had read it. Because I don't really know what's going on. Well, we know now, that Hawkeye and Bucky are trying to figure out if, if uh, Black Widow is dead or not. Yeah, seems like yes. Um, and now Wait, someone, Dead or not? Yes, dead. Yes, dead. I right. think dead. Um, but so someone has been going around and using, leaving her mark, her sort of assassin her mark. Scent. Her scent. I mean, they've been weighing, they've been peeing on, uh, on different, different corners all That's over the world. That's not what's been happening. Um, but now they've started doing it with the Winter Soldier's mark. So people are showing off dead and it looks like the Winter Soldier has killed them. Um, and then there's all these assassins who are obviously from like the Black Widow's history and I don't know who they are. Yep. And Hawkeye is... M- mad okay. as hell. He's mad as hell, but then is she dead? Oh, for God's sake. I don't know. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> My review. There you go. Um, Tales of suspense. Avengers: No Surrender, the weekly Avengers comic, continues with a 681, aka Part Seven, um, in which we see Earth used as a stage for a battle between um, the Grandmaster and the Challenger, as they send um, the Black Order and the Lethal Legion to go into battle, um, and uh, one by one, each of the members of the, those teams and also the Avengers uh, are getting taken out. 
Um, and also Earth has been like transplanted to another part of space. Um, and the day is saved by the sudden appearance of um, the Occupy Avengers. So Hawkeye and Red Wolf show up at the end. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and Hawkeye's in like his I classic guess. uniform, which yeah. is odd, but that well, was cool. Yeah. Um, and apparently Hulk is coming back soon. Boo. It's fine. Like it's just it is like just a absolutely ticking all the boxes of what I kind of want in a in a very readable um Marvel book, I guess. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. cool. Just you just read it with your eyes closed. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you want from comics. It's fun. Um it's been written by Wade, Zub, and Ewing, with art by um uh Kim Jacinto and Mike Perkins, colours by David Curiel. Doing a great job on art, that's for sure. Um, also, I read uh, Daredevil, <coughs> um, written by Ch- Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney and Matt Miller on colors. Issue number 599, the continuation of this Mayor Fisk story, which I was quite excited about when it started because like, the idea of Charles Soule using his legal background to explore what it is to be a mayor, the mayor mm. of New York, and kind of get into the gritty of that was really, really appealing. But Just a lot of bureaucracy, no, signing a lot of papers. I wanted that. like, I, I, And I wanted kind of like him to kind of get behind the idea of Fisk doing good stuff as the mayor because yeah, I don't, yeah, he's yeah. not an entirely bad character. No. But instead the whole thing is just Daredevil going like, oh, the king He's definitely a bad guy. I like, need the evidence. I hate it when, when Matt Murdock is just a big sook. Yeah. Which is like that's the only way they know how to write him on Netflix. Yeah. And most comics. Yeah, but I, I just wish it would be better than that and kind of like be a bit less black and white and yeah. be like, you know, oh, let's see what Kingpin's, Kingpin's plan as mayor is first before I try and take him down. No, take him down. Yeah, but um, and then there's this like... Justice is blind. So it's not, it's not a bad it's not a bad story. Just I wish it was exploring more of Fisk as mayor yeah. instead of Fisk just being like, superheroes are outlawed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dumb. Yeah, it's a bit dumb. <laughs> the original J. Jonah Jameson probably did that as mayor too. Like, yeah, have, this is a story that we have seen done before. Have fun with your mayors. Absolutely. In general, everybody listening right now. Yeah, call them up. Call. Play, Tell them a joke. Go to the park. Fly Lovely. kite with your mayor. <laughs> um, so those are Marvel reviews done. Let's do a bit of DC right now. Um, for my favorite DC book, off the bat is uh, Justice League. This week, issue number 39, written by Christopher Priest, with art by Ian Churchill and colors by De- Alex Salazzo. Um, and this uh, continues this arc in which uh, a super fan of the Justice League who helped build the Watchtower mm-hmm. um, is like basically going behind the Justice League's back and kind of pitting them against each other and doing framing different members of the League for crimes that they didn't commit mm-hmm. um, because he's a super fan. Apparently, all, all, as we all know, all super fans eventually go crazy and turn on the things they love. It's 100% true. 100% um, of the time. But it feels like he's just got something. something he just wants to take Batman down. Yeah. Um, and so this arc is kind of all leading towards Batman not being the hero, not being the leader of the Justice League anymore, which is interesting considering Snyder's about to come on board and, and take over Justice League. It looks like Priest is going to put Cyborg as the leader just in time for that to happen, which is, Hell is, yeah. is cool. It makes total sense as the leader of, of the League. Absolutely, he does. He's, you know, he's a, Batman's too much of a lone wolf. It's true. Cyborg's a computer with a face. Um, that's not what Cyborg is It is, it's, 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 that's what he says Hey, I'm Cyborg, I'm a computer with a face Page three <laughs> um, But uh, look, I, I really enjoy this arc And I, I, I wish that we got 40 issues of Justice League by Same. Priest Same, I think he is nailing it so, so sincerely I wish that he could stay on this book for longer um, Martian Manhunter shows up in this Which is great yeah. um, 
And I like how Simon Baz's main thing in this whole issue is like, in this whole arc, you mean? Me to lunch. Yeah. What's up with that? Should I go? This is so full on. Um, I love it. And then Jessica Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz, is it? Yeah. Is, is trying to deal with the fact that she smooched Batman. Yeah. And what does that mean? What does it mean, guys? Um, and then there's a mysterious woman who shows up at the end with a gun. Yeah. Love really it. F- fun stuff. Really fun. Really fun. Really stuff. fun. What I'd, the league should be. I'd be very surprised if Snyder's run is even half as good as this. I agree. <coughs> this has everything I want in a, in, a, in a Justice League book. Absolutely. Feel free to surprise me, though. Yeah. Uh, Tom King uh, wrote issue 41 of Batman this week with art by uh, Michael Janin. And, um, Who cut- can draw the hell out of a poison ivy. I love her very... like, And not just poison very ivy. Adam Hughes. Poison ivy with like three different outfits throughout this issue as well. I hate her in the like sweet little dress. That's the worst. Oh, poison really? I would never wear that. But I mean, she just isn't she like undercover? I don't no. know and I don't care. <laughs> you just want her in like a... I want her in a, like a sexy bustier made of leaves and that's it. <laughs> we don't even get that. She almost gets like a snuggie. <laughs> A snuggie of leaves at the end of this. That's still good, though. I like that, too. <laughs> um, yeah, um, June Chung on colours on this one, too. Mm. Um, and basically, we see a very, very overpowered Poison Ivy, um, mm. which is cool. I like I like seeing her as a massive threat. Yeah, this is um, like her potential. And she's just fucking with Batman um, and Catwoman because she, she poisons them and then they find an antidote, so she poisons the entire rest of Gotham. Yeah, um, like the Flash, and she's just controlling everyone. Um, really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah, fun. I mean, like, has that sort of Tom King thing of, like, a random voiceover talking over different events and you don't really know what's going on the whole time. And I, I don't... I thus far don't understand her motivations. Mm-hmm. Me too. Poison Ivy's. And I don't like it when Poison Ivy's motivations aren't. I'm trying to save the planet. I think this is just her reminding... Batman of how powerful she is. Maybe she, maybe she's like, oh, so you choose Catwoman, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, which I fundamentally hate. Yeah, I really don't like that. Thus far, Tom King has not convinced me. Don't he you, knows how to write women. What about if Batman went on a date yeah. with Catwoman, but at the same time went on a date with Poison Ivy in the same restaurant accidentally, okay. and he has to put on glasses to don't go. Don't joke about that. <laughs> You would love that? I would love that so much. <laughs> but we were talking about Poison Ivy at Queens of Kings last night. My cool ladies comic book club. Um, because like Poison Ivy is one of those characters that she's not a straight up villain. She's just got her own motivations. Mm-hmm. She's like the main thing that has turned her into a villain, one of the girls was arguing, is that she has uh, rejected men. Fundamentally. She's right. like, no thank you. I don't want any fucking thing to do with you. I am I am out here on my own doing my own thing. Um, and so turning her, like, making her, like, this arc is called Everyone Loves Ivy. And she's making everyone say that they love her. Because mm. she can? Yeah, but, like, why? What if she I went, wouldn't have thought Ivy needed that. Or what if Ivy went on a date with everyone at the same restaurant? Yes! <laughs> cool, I'm into it. Just blew my eardrums. <laughs> Um, so, uh, from Batman to Aquaman, move on to issue number 33 of Aquaman. You still reading this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I read this issue. I think I've missed a couple. Written by Dan Abnett with, um, no, I mean, it's been like five issues now, but Stefan Sejic is not the, uh, artist on this anymore. It's Ricardo Frederici, um, and, uh, Rick Leonardi 
and Colors by Sunny Go. Um, and uh, it's good. It's a really good art. It just isn't Steph Chan's Edge yeah. art. And, it's, uh, and the book is so much harder to read because of that. Absolutely. Um, Agreed. It's very high fantasy underwater. Yeah. Um, and the appeal of that is lost sometimes when the art isn't as stunning as Steph Chan's work often is. Still draws a pretty handsome Aquaman, though. Yeah, his art is awesome. I love it. I just don't like the connection. It's, it's not... It's not as fluid as uh, I would like an underwater book to be. Yeah, Everything's totally. very still. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I just find this book it's not, not as fun as it used to be. For sure. Absolutely. Um, but it's the end of this arc um, and we see uh, Mera gets saved just in time for her spin-off series. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> it'd be funny though if it was like Mera's new series and she's just dead. <laughs> She's in a coma the whole time. <laughs> um, and uh, it looks like Aquaman is now going to return to take the throne from that magic guy. Cool. It's fun. It's not as good as it was. Yeah. Even from a story point of view. God, that was fun for a while. I know. Absolutely. Bring back we'll always have that. Um, but you know what book was a lot more fun than it has been recently? And that is Super Sons number 13. Yeah. This was the first issue of Super Sons that I think lived up to the potential of what this comic could be. This team up of two um, young boys that pretend to hate each other um, and get into antics and are still schoolboys, but also trying to be superheroes at the same time with their long histories um, with their families and, you know, the legacy characters that they're associated with. What are you showing me? Just a really wonky panel. Wonky panel. I love a wonky panel. Uh, this is written by Peter Tomasi with um, wonky panels by Carlo Barberi and Art Thibbert on, um, on inks with colors by wonky colors by Gabe Eltabe. <coughs> and they saw um, the boys at school doing like, we've got like a good eight pages of them just trying to fit in at school. Yep. Um, John trying to pretend that he doesn't have superpowers. Damien just not caring if his entire class hates him for being yeah. better than everyone and landing them with more homework because he does so well at class and they don't. Um, and then um, who should show up at Talia Al Ghul, who believes that Batman is wasting Damien's potential by putting him in this school with a bunch of other normal people, and he should be doing so much more. Mostly being an assassin. Yeah. Um, I thought this was really fun. Yeah. It was just really, really fun. It was pretty good fun. It wasn't like them like going to another dimension to help a kid yeah, totally. kill a robot. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's super unnecessary plot stuff. But it, it is, it, Tomasi's always had the interactions between the boys so so well done and, and they're great in this. Yeah, and I like that they kind of address the fact that John is like, you're only 13 and how many people have you killed? Yeah. You were an assassin? What? <laughs> he says it's a, it's a lifetime ago and he's like, you're 13. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Yeah, me too. A lot. That was a very this is the last arc, right? That's yeah, like, Super Sun is ending with issue 15 or 16, um, which is a bummer, but apparently I'm sure Tomasi's going to continue writing these characters in some way. Yeah. People are suggesting that maybe the Super Sons and Teen Titans will be one and the same. Oh. Yeah. Um, how many pages of the of Superman issue 41 did you get through? None. Cool. I ran it through two. Cool. Um, just not a good, fun story about them on a planet full of people that want to die. Yeah. Not fun. Not fun. Um. What else did you oh, read? Oh, I read Batman and the Signal. I only, two. I only made it through a few pages of this yeah, too. Yeah, it's not good. That's all. Yeah, it's what it's like. I really want Duke Thomas to be a much better explained and, and used character. In, and I think in, this had like amazing potential, but his power set is so broad and ill-defined and I don't really understand what's going on. Just like his character. And so. this whole like, oh, Gotham during the day, I thought it was an interesting concept and I thought, just don't think they've um, nailed the execution, unfortunately. Also, don't tie it into metal. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah. 
Um, Injustice 2 continued this week, issue number 20 of the collected digital edition. So I don't know where, if you're reading this digitally, you're, you're way ahead of me than I am. Um, and uh, I've been complaining about Zod being used too much in comics. This saw Amazo show up and rip Zod's head off. So that was very, very satisfying nice. for me. <laughs> um, <coughs> like it was nothing too. It was very, very funny. Um, and then we see um, uh, uh, Ted Knight, a.k.a. Uh, oh. What was his name? The cat guy? Um, cat guy. No. no Wildcat. No. Wildcat. Thank you. There we go. Wildcat's uh, on his deathbed dying on life support. No. And Batman shows up and rips the life support out. What? And he's like, no, he has to die. He has to die. And all these doctors are like, no way. What the fuck, Batman? Fuck you. No. And then he dies. But guess what? He's reborn. He goes, sorry, Ted. Had to use one of your nine lives. And uh, now Wildcat's back. Yay. This series is so much fun. That's really fun. That's yep. like actually using the potential of those characters really well. Yeah. Tom Taylor. Yeah, like a, yeah, man. everyone knows Wildcat has nine lives. You should use that. And also Zod has a very rip off head. Yeah, tear his head off. Boring. So much fun. Get rid of him. Those are our DC, Marvel, and Image reviews. All that's left to on is to review those other publishers. What did uh, Boom do this week? What did, what did Dark Horse do? What did Vault do? Let's find out. Uh, well, it's start things off with a review of one of our favorite books. Issue four of Fence came out this week, written by C.S. Picat, with art by Johanna the Mad and colors by Johanna La Fuente. Um, and uh, this is through Boombox, um, which is uh, Boom's uh, like young queer imprint. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a book about uh, beautiful boys fencing at high school. Precisely. And um, it's extremely descriptive in like... The how like I'm learning a lot about the sport of fencing, which is yeah. something I knew nothing about. Believe it or not, I thought you just had to stab the other person and then they died and then you won. Yeah, that's it. That's the end. You just kill people and and then you you get their money. Yeah, um, and they're cool. They're cool hat. Yeah, they're and cool you, fencing hat. Yep, and then you sail in a big boat and yep. you and you get treasure. Yeah, and you have a parrot on your shoulder. Absolutely, that's what fencing is, right? Um, <laughs> but turns out all you need to do to fence is to be beautiful and tortured. Yeah, and um, and bop a guy on the chest. That's right. Um, with, and, your, with your pointy stick, yeah, not and, that one. And there's also E. <laughs> Dong watches Although, over. <laughs> also, really? I mean, Aiden seems to use oh, sex true. as a weapon. That's true. That's very true. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've you're disgusting, Jim. Um, we've uh, so glad none of you. We've compared that. this to sports manga. Yes, um, many very times before, is. and this one is just, this issue is in particular. It's just so great the drama yep. that comes from all these boys that. No, that only three of them can be picked. Yeah. And, every, and everyone else like loses their scholarship and then get yeah. picked. And so that, and like the, the, the narration, the first person narration that, that we know what, what all the characters are thinking, which mm-hmm. normally is annoying, but it's so good in this. This is such a brilliant comic. It's great. It is such a delight to read. It is so um, different to most Western comics that you get. The characters are really like sort of these strong archetypes but still feel very real. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's such good fun. And and I love I love our main character. He's such a sort of relatable loser. Who knows what he needs to do but just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's wonderful. It's a, like, I only have positive things to say about this. Yeah, totally. I love it. Yep. I want it all the time. I wish it was weekly. I wish. You know what? I wish I was reading. I wish you would introduce me to this. Like, oh, there's, there's and there's eighty issues, and yeah, here yeah, they are yeah. in this small pocket format. I'm like, yes, <laughs> this would be the best binge. Absolutely. Um, 
but it's such a such a treat every month. Definitely. Fence. You should be reading it, everybody. It's very Everyone, good. Everyone, please read it. Um, another boom book came out this week was the return of our uh, the initial writers and, and creators, sorry, uh, artist and writer, to Rugrats on issue number five. Um, through Nickelodeon and Kaboom. Um, we got Box Brown and Lisa Dubois returning to the book with N- Matea DiMeo and Eleonora Bruni after we got a fill-in issue from other creators, which is still quite good. Um, this is the uh, the new comic book series featuring the beloved Rugrats characters. Mm-hmm. The first arc of this was surprisingly excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like so excited to see their names on the front cover. Absolutely. Um, and I was really disappointed by this issue. Really? I still yeah. liked it. Yeah, I just... Um, I was just I just thought it was that dull. Aliens. Yeah, so yeah, basically Tommy um Grandpa's gran- gra- a crazy conspiracy yeah. theorist. Grandpa Pickles is uh, uh parents t- had a rave in the backyard. <laughs> there's there's lots of funny things going on in this book, but I don't think anything came together that I became invested in the plot like the last one. Mm. Which is like a, there were some fun vignettes, but the the main story I found boring. Okay. Of Fair to- Tommy being like scared it. of a of a of an alien story that that uh, his grandpa told him. And <clears throat> I just think Lisa Dubois can draw the hell out of some cute babies having adventures. Yeah, but then they go into space. I don't know about space babies. Space draw, babies. You gotta draw the line somewhere, Siobhan. I fucking love space babies. <laughs> I love when she like Yeah. I love when she draws Tommy crying. I love Tommy's little goofy face and head. Yep. I love I, it. I love her art. I won't really say a bad thing this. about it. Yeah. I am I'm, I'm gonna keep reading it. I just didn't I didn't think this was anywhere near as strong as the first arc. On this book. I disagree. Wow. You burst my eardrums again. Um, through uh, Vault Comics this week, we got Heathen issue number six. Um, and this is a return, uh, a book that I think we haven't had for about six months. Yeah. Uh, written and drawn by Natasha Altarici um, with uh, letters by Rachel Deering. Um, and this is a book about a, um, <clears throat> a woman who uh, is forced to leave her family and village mm-hmm. because uh, she comes out mm-hmm. and they do not accept her. Um, and this is set many, many years ago in a time of gods and Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we see her basically kind of acting as a hero of sorts and um, a hero who does things for love. Absolutely. Um, and uh, She has joined a band of female pirates who sail the seven, sail the seven seas rescuing slaves. That's right. They're, they're, not, they're not in it for the loot. They're not. They're in it to, for the rescues. Um, and meanwhile, they're being she's she's convinced a bunch of uh, of bloodthirsty mermaids mm-hmm. to follow the boat um, in return for apples. <laughs> um, and then there's all the other, other a B plot involving gods and mm-hmm. the parents of gods, and it's just this book has got it all. It looks it really beautiful, does. and I was so like you know even though I haven't read it in any of this series for for months, I just I mean, remembered everything straight Absolutely. away. The storytelling is so well done. The cartooning is gorgeous. The colors, the color palette, which is really like muted and yep. soft, is just beautiful. Yep, I the different really character designs are all so strong. I know this seems so obvious, but I really, really want to see Alterici uh, write or draw or both for Thor. Like, yeah. I think once Jason Aaron Valkyrie. is done, a Valkyrie comic. Oh yeah, totally. But yeah, I, I loved it. for a while. We, I feel like we had like we had the Thor book, and then we had Journey into Mystery, which is about yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, at one point it was about Sif, Sif. at one point it was about Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think she'd be so good on a on a Thor book. Absolutely. After Iron, it'd be great. Nice big change in pace. But also, just keep writing Heathen. That's Iron, true. Please. I hope we always get Heathen. It's great. It's a great book. And the first trade is out, which yeah. will catch you up um, to in the series up to this issue. So, what are you waiting for, guys? Um, so we uh, started the episode with uh, a James Bond review, and now we're going to have another one here towards the end. This is um, issue two of James Bond, The Body, written by Alice Scott, with art by Antonio Fuso, colors by Valentino Pinto, Valentina Pinto. Um, and 
this uh, series is just a series of one shots mm-hmm. um, by the same creative team um, in which we see James Bond in a spy situation. Um, the last time Incredibly we saw him. morally ambiguous spy situation. Totally. And and we kind of, we see the, we basically, yeah, he's faced with like a conundrum of, of sorts, mm-hmm. a quandary even. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's kind of, his, his moral compass is kind of brought to light and yeah. the things that you're forced to do as a spy for your country. And this is very like, this is not the sort of uh, glitzy, high life, sexy, banging all the sweet ladies bond. This is an incredibly sort of, almost like depressingly bureaucratic. Yeah, like totally. the, the, the context of the situation that this scene takes place in is like there's filing cabinets and there's notice boards. Yeah, this is an interrogation um, between um, Bond and a would-be biochemical terrorist mm-hmm. who has sold a, uh, a chemical compound to a terrorist group mm-hmm. and it's up to Bond to find out, you know, as much as he can from her before resulting to torture. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he has to resort to torture. Mm. And it's just, this is just his job is what he has to do. No matter how much you love the character of Bond. And that's the thing, you know, the character of Bond has such a long history of movies and books that you have this preconception of what he does as a spy. And, but you also love him, you mm-hmm. know, for, for, for the, the swagger that he represents and to see him just have to do this because this is the, what his job is. It is, it's a difficult read, but it's mm-hmm. a really good one. I didn't, I was quite confused by this woman's motivations a little bit. Well, she just wants to better the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she does... Do you want me to spoil it? <laughs> she tri- I read it to the end. <laughs> she, tricks, she tricks terrorists yeah. into, taking, into, into, into giving her lots of money. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes and sense. She took, took... Yeah, and then they, they're left with nothing. Anyway. It's still, even, even you guys knowing that, you st- I would still recommend reading this one shot. It was a brilliant one Absolutely. shot. The one, and the issue one was really good too. This is going to be a great collection, I think. Oh, I'm, I see he's just going to do six or so. Yeah. But, it's um, a really interesting take on Bond. Totally. You know, Al Scott, who wears this sort of political um, vibe on his sleeve. Yeah. I, I would uh, argue that I would put Alice Scott in the same uh, bracket as uh, Cy Spurrier, yep. where when he's left to his own devices, sometimes he creates a world with too many annoying elements. Yeah. Um, and that is borderline unreadable. Totally. Yeah. But when he works, actually, no, the weirdest, hardest to read comic he ever did was that winter soldier one. What was that one? Did you, he was, it has its fans. It definitely has its fans. It was mm. just after original sin. Oh, he wrote this yeah. super strange, at the same time he was doing secret Avengers, which was really good. Yeah. <clears throat> he wrote a very, very strange and unsatisfying narrative wise mm. uh, winter soldier book. Mm. But I was going to say he, he works well in a, uh, in a pre-existing universe. Absolutely. Like the James Bond one. Mm. I would love to see Cy Spurrier on his Bond book too. Yeah, same. Have we got that yet? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like maybe we have. Uh, over to Valiant now for Quantum and Woody number three, um, which is an extremely enjoyable issue uh, written by Daniel Kibblesmith with art by Francis Portella. But very confusing in that we suddenly, for no reason, just go back and tell this strange story involving their f- Quantum and Woody's father. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the rest of the plot leading up until this point. Yeah, this definitely is like it filling the gaps in a previous series of Quantum and Woody. But I didn't have a problem with it. It was still a really enjoyable one shot. I've just It took me a while to be like, oh, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess we probably would have enjoyed it way more had we re- have we been long time Quantum and Woody readers, yeah, and not people that have came on board for this uh, recent beginning of the series. Uh, a strange choice to do for your third issue, I have to say that much though. I agree because the last issue ended with like this frantic chase to um, Australia, yeah. and now we're just suddenly telling this kind of old story of their father. But aren't we- have you seen the cover of the next one though? Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> 
has VB cans on it. Yeah, <laughs> they're in Australia. That's all we do. We just drink VB. Absolutely. But, I mean, at least it's not Foster's. That's true. That's a very, very good point. I love VB. I do not. They have not drawn the right kind of cans, though. Ring pulls are missing. True. Um, they've drawn, like, weird wrong cans. I sort of feel like the series is quite middling. Oh, really? I, I enjoy it a I, lot. I don't, like, I, en- I enjoy it, but it's not like a... There's not really any laugh out loud moments for me. It's not as, yeah, it's not my favorite. Valuable, I'm enjoying it more means. than I enjoyed um, the majority of the Archer and Armstrong, um, which is the other comedy book yeah, that yeah, Valiant yeah. put out, and Faith as well, I guess, to a degree. I, I enjoyed yeah. it a lot more than those. I, yeah, I, I think Kibble I mean, Smith I, is, I is a talent for sure. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, I see what you mean. It's not laugh out loud funny, but it's definitely amusing. Yeah, yeah, and the story's good. I, li- I like the way the narrative jumps around in this issue. It's fun. Um, also through Valiant this week, I read the second issue of Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe, which I just thought was like an adaptation of the YouTube series, Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. But then I learned that that series hasn't even started airing yet. Oh. So I don't know why it's coming out first. But basically, Ninjak has to do a bunch of things and kill some people uh, and steal some stuff from some prominent Valiant heroes to save someone close to him. And he then has the entire Valiant Universe coming after his head. Cool. <coughs> and so this issue sees him face off against Bloodshot and the which Eternal one? Warrior, the main one. Damn it. Um, what, which, what, which one do you want? The Dog Bloodshot, Dog Bloodshot, Baby Bloodshot, um, and then um, Exo Man of War. They all come after him in this one issue. So it's a really fun little guide to <laughs> the Valiant universe as they all try and kill one of them. Um, but it's fun. It's, it's really fun. Like I, I would probably watch the YouTube series when it finally airs, just off the back of how much I'm enjoying this comic. Oh, cool. Um, it's been written by. Um, Aaron Schoenke and Elliot Rahal um, with, uh, oh God, with, um, fuck. Um, yeah, with, uh, with, there's a lot of writers on this, but then the, the pencils are by Joe Bennett, inks by Belladino Brabo, colors by, of course, Ulysses Ariola. My favorite. Um, over to Dark Horse now. Um, and uh, I read a bunch of Dark Horse books you did not. Yep, go for one. it. Uh, depth, issue number 23. There's one issue left after this one, Siobhan. This is the incredible book that you maybe pronounce as Department H. Um, I it, don't. It's uh, written by Matt Kent with col- and art by Matt Kent too, colors by his wife, Charlene Kent. And it is about um, marine exploration and a murder mystery set in the deep as uh, um, a daughter tries to find out who her father's killer was. And every issue has been like an hour in this world. Um, and this one is basically, it's less about a murder mystery. Well, I guess the, the, the murder part of the, the mystery is solved. And now we have one issue left of oh, survival. Cool. Um, really, really cool. Great issue. Brilliant storytelling. Um, and I'm, I'm going to miss this book, but it's coming to, if this was the end, I'd be satisfied. Yeah. But I think the, the, the finale is going to be pretty excellent. Cool. <coughs> we read one Dark Horse. We both read one Dark Horse book. Yep. Empowered and Sister Spooky's High School Hell, written by Adam Warren, with art by um, the previously mentioned Carla Speed McNeil. Uh, this is uh, Infernal Terror in the Girls' Room, High School Hell, um, as uh, Sister Spooky drags Empowered to her old high school, and she has to face down all of her old um, s- students who have uh, have they nearly... They made deals with the devil right. to get to become hot. And when um, Sister Spooky made the same deal with the devil, he also gave her cool magic powers. And now the rest of the uh, sort of identical blonde high school bullies are coming for her. And so this sees her... And um, empowered. Uh, like they battle rap their way uh, yep. through one through one uh, battle. Which I thought was like 
pretty good. <laughs> yeah, totally. For something like that, it was actually really funny. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and then we see them kind of take on someone who uses like, who in, basically insulting them in the in the ladies' room. Um, yeah. As uh, as empowered is stuck in a cubicle and drowning in her own tears. Um, uh, Sister Spooky is getting uh, basically insults hitting her, her her in the mirror and, mm. and, and and hurting her that way. Very clever, very yeah. fun, and um. Uh, Carlos B. McNeil's art is so good in this too. So good. It's so great. <laughs> and it's Ooh. good to see these two characters who have been like almost like, you know, they, they begin empowered as mortal enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sister Spook is just so mean to empowered because she looks just like all of the girls she went to high school with. Yeah. Um, and it's good to see these two characters become friends and grow in this series. Absolutely. It's great. I really, really enjoy it. You know, my 10-year high school reunion is coming up. Oh, wow. Um, how, how are you going to kill all of your old uh, students that used to be classmates? Uh, poison. Poison, cool. Poison, mostly. Now you know. Police? <laughs> now you know. Uh, Vinegar Teeth, issue number two, came out through Dark Horse. I just didn't get to this. There's <coughs> uh, a lot to read this it, week. Yeah, it was a massive week. Um, Troy Nixie um, wrote this one with Damon Gentry, and he did, Troy Nixie did the art. Colors by Guy Major and Michael Madsen. Michelle Madsen, not Michael Madsen. <laughs> Tarantino actor um, and this is like this hilarious uh, you know classic dark horse grim kind of comedy in which a weird alien disgusting alien being has to team up with a uh, drunk disgraced detective and uh, solve a bunch of bizarre crimes and murders in mm. this uh, town in which the crime rate has, is skyrocketing and it's really funny and silly um, and, and gruesome throughout parts. I'm having a, a lot of fun with it. I like this issue a lot more than the first one, actually. Oh, cool! Now that I'm on board with the premise, it's just it's just a really really fun ride to get to, to read through. So definitely try and catch up with this one so we can read through yeah, and board together. Really this is a marked improvement on uh, on the first issue, actually. Awesome! I love Troy Nixie's art. It's so <coughs> it's weird. so cool and weird and yeah, it, it, it remind, reminds me of Unusual. comics that I used to always. Like I would go to comic book fairs and stuff when I was a kid and I wasn't interested in superheroes, but I'd see something like this. I'd be like, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always like just these weird fantagraphics and one shots and Mm. that kind of thing. And this reminds me of that style a lot. Cool. Um, Final book I want to talk about is uh, a book that who knows why I'm still reading this. The Archies issue number five featuring Tegan and Sarah, a live act that I- Who is this for? It's so bizarre. Written by um, uh, Alex Segura with Matthew Rosenberg. Um, Joe, art by Joe Eisma doing some of the worst art he's done on this in this world. The worst so far. art of his career. It's just so. It's just he's just not a good Archie artist. He's not. I don't know why. Yeah, he, it doesn't appeal to me. Look at his jaw. He draws like Jughead, like some kind of like bridge troll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I understand. Like, yep. He's called Needle Nose. He's got a big long nose. But when you've made the style that much more realistic, he looks like horrifying. Um, but the story, it's it's f- odd, but I enjoy it. Um, it's just like Archie and, and his band, which is, of course, is like, you know, Veronica, Betty, Jughead and Reggie. Mm. Um, they're all they're all going on t- on the road, touring um, and meeting other famous bands and kind of having adventures with this band as they... But it's all based on like, you know, Archie really wants to succeed and it's he has to come to terms with that's his dream, but he needs to think about the band as a whole's dream. Um it's fun though. Like Jughead quits at one point and Jughead's, you know, he's the best character in, in Archie. And, and, and I actually think Jughead's written quite well on this, but then you just suddenly have like Tegan and Sarah saving the day and like saving the band from performing the worst show of their life by jumping up on board and performing with them. Cause Jughead played them Archie's demo and they quite like it. It's, it's really odd. And I think that's why I keep reading it. Anyway, the next issue for some reason is Blondie. It's the Archie's meet Blondie. 
So it's just too strange for me not to stop to, to, for me to stop reading. Yeah. <coughs> yep. Yep. You it's agree? Just, I don't. I don't understand. I think this is such a weird call. Like, if you're gonna make an Archie comic about them having a band, why not make it with bands that are I don't know relevant for the teenagers who are the audience of this? Well, they had Churches in issue two, a band that I don't know. So that obviously that means that they're popular. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I don't know who Deegan and Sarah are, are appealing to. Yeah, or Blondie, this. or like, but even the like monkeys. Churches. Yeah, like. Well, well, who, well, who are we, okay, okay, super cool. Who, who is, who are some cool bands? <laughs> I don't know. Like, what are kids like? Post Malone. Wheatus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, you want Post Malone? Yes, I want the Archie's feet. I don't know. I only know that one song. I don't know. Which, which one song? Rockstar? Yeah, only because it's played three times while we have been recording this. Have but, you noticed that? It's yeah. Very He's not a band though. Isn't he? No. I don't know what he is. He's a he's a, he's a rapper. Oh right. Yeah, well, rapper slash songer. Right. Singer. Hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, like I just I don't I don't know who this is supposed to be. Well, you want, you want Taylor Swift in? Yes, this. I want Taylor Swift in an but Archie like, book. Like literally anyone Selena that kids Gomez. care about. Yeah, why not? But kids who read Archie comics don't care about those. They don't give a fuck about Blondie though. And that's true. But uh, but I feel like old people that read Archie comics n- at least know who Blondie are. Jim is raising his hand. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very. Are very you weird reading comic. this comic though, Jim? No, you're fucking. He is not. now. <laughs> uh, anyway, that has been it for us. A very long episode featuring many, many comics. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode more than we enjoyed reading some of these comics. <laughs> but I also hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we liked reading some of the other ones. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed reading the Mighty Thor. Yes. That's a really, really good one. Um, thank you so much for listening. You can find us online at facebook.com slash series series podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Or, of course, groups slash series series podcast. want to join our group, I will approve you so long as you say that your favorite podcast is serious issues. Yes, please. No, nah, you can say whatever you want. It's, uh, it's just to make sure you're not a robot. Nah, right. <laughs> or a spam artist. Um, you can find us on Twitter at under, uh, serious underscore underscore issues or individually at levdog, L-E-V-D-O-W-G, or at Siobhan CBG. Um, and uh, we are on Patreon if you want to support us, patreon.com slash Serious um, Issues Podcast. Mm-hmm. And there is a bonus episode going up mm-hmm. later today. And why don't you tell us what it is, Siobhan? Guys, I recorded an episode yesterday <gasps> with my... Uh, what are you calling? I don't know. Nate. Your baby I call daddy. Nate. Your my baby, baby daddy. daddy. <laughs> my baby daddy, Nate. Um, where we wrote... 10 questions for each other about the X-Men. So it's not, if you're, if you're looking for an introduction to the X-Men or a guide to X-Men, this is not the podcast for you, but we do have some fun having some silly questions about the X-Men. So if, you, if you're a fan of Siobhan and this character, Nate, she's created <laughs> on the podcast, definitely. Wouldn't that be amazing if I just put on a ridiculous American accent and recorded the whole thing myself? That's great. That's what it is. Um, so yeah, uh, go and listen to that. It's a Patreon exclusive. It's the mm-hmm. only place you can go and hear it. Uh, I'll be uploading it later today. Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Um, thank you so much for recording that little bit of bonus. It was really fun to do. And uh, if you have any ideas for weird bonuses that you'd like us to do in the future, Absolutely. hit us up. Serious Please. Issues Podcast. What is it? No. Serious Issues at kingscomics.com. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. That's our email address that only Siobhan che- checks. So... It, it definitely gets checked. Okay, great. Excellent. Thank you so much for listening. Stay serious until next week. Have a good one. And goodbye. Bye. 
This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. <laughs> we used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.